Oh my gosh, you guys, here it is. The rumors are true. The first episode of the Wonder Woman Wednesdays podcast is here. It's been like birthing a baby, so I hear. We are going to break down the pilot episode of Wonder Woman, and every month I will be covering an episode of the classic show in sequence with a Wonder Woman cosplayer. We'll talk about the episode and we'll talk cosplay. Now, to be honest, this is my first podcast. Though I've been doing a weekly live Facebook video with my buddy Jack. Together we are the real guys. We used to have a show on local TV where we hosted movies. One of our sponsors was a comic book store, Borderlands Comics and Games. And through working with them, making commercials, and attending South Carolina Comic Con, which they created, I've gotten to know a lot of cosplayers. Before that, I didn't really understand what cosplay was. I'm impressed and I'm moved by their fandom. For many of them... It's not just about putting on a costume. It's about continuing the legacy of a character that they love. The spirit of the character often gets under their skin and transforms them. Many of them do special work through their cosplay, like visiting children in the hospital, hosting charity fundraisers, inspiring other people the way they were inspired. And my favorite cosplayers have been those who cosplay Wonder Woman. Not surprisingly, because I love Wonder Woman. I saw the show as a kid, and it immediately caused adolescence. Wonder Woman, Charlie's Angels, the Bionic Woman, these were my first crushes. And when MeTV started running Wonder Woman a few years back, it all came back to me. But watching the show as an adult, something else became clear. There's really something special about Linda Carter, not just her looks. There's, there's something about her as an actor, as a person. Not surprisingly, it took them three and a half decades to find someone who could play this character anywhere near the way that she could. And for many people my age, Linda Carter is Wonder Woman, and nothing can change that. So why the podcast? Well, aside from Wonder Woman, I'm a huge fan of classic television. I, I watched TV obsessively as a kid. I actually stole television sets from a donation bin and tried to repair them to feed my habit. I was a poor kid in a small town, and that box was magic. It was like a window to the outside world that could, that could take you anywhere. Now that I'm a grown-up, law-abiding citizen, I don't steal TVs anymore, but I still get my classic TV fix whenever I can. Lately, I've been listening to classic TV podcasts. I love them. Weirdos like me just sitting down for a nice long conversation about MASH or Battlestar Galactica or Hawaii Five-0. So eventually, I just had to do one myself. But I need someone more fun and interesting than I am, so I'm going to be talking to the best Wonder Woman fans in the world, her cosplayers. So that's the plan. That's the format. That's what we're going to do. Of course, I want to go a little extra in this first episode, so we're going to take a little time, a little time, to lay out the context of the pilot. A short history of the character Wonder Woman, a short history of Linda Carter, and what was going on in November of 1975 when Wonder Woman premiered. And my guest, while not technically a Wonder Woman cosplayer, at least not since she was eight, but she's been a fan from the beginning. She's a fellow Gen Xer and a bona fide sci-fi geek, my beautiful wife Laura. So let's get talking to her. Let's get started with Wonder Woman Wednesdays. Oh my gosh, it's our first episode. This is the first episode of the podcast. 
I'm careful not to. Sorry, go ahead. Wonder Woman Wednesdays. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm oh. careful not to um, say the name of it, because what if it has to change? Oh, no. Well, you can just edit that out in post. <laughs> I can do that in post. I was going to be all like, kick it off, man. Well. Wonder Woman Wednesdays. Woo! <laughs> Except today's not Wednesday, but they don't have to know that. Right. Today is, <laughs> it, for all intents and purposes, it's Wednesday. It will it will air on a Wednesday. It will air on a Wednesday. Either the first or last day of the month. I'm, tr- I'm still trying to decide. Like, I think it's going to be the first Wednesday of the month, but there are other things called Wonder Woman Wednesdays that happen on the first Wednesday of the month. Oh, dude. Well, they're not podcasts. You do have to come up with another name if there's another Wonder Woman Wednesday out there. Yeah. Well, if it's, but it's not a podcast. It's a, it's a thing that people do. Okay. It's a gathering of oh. important okay. people. Okay. Important Wonder Woman In, people. Important women, yes. Wonder Women. Wonder Women, exactly. Yes. Uh, but this is a podcast. Or is it your your Wonders Woman? <laughs> Wonder, your Attilas the Hun. Your Attilas the Hun. Wonders Women. Um, I have to introduce you. We don't even know who you are. I mean, I may have done a preamble. By myself saying who I was, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's going to be done in post. Okay, but 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 I'm introducing you, my Wonder Woman, uh, my wife, Laura. How's it going? Hi, <laughs> happy to be here. Yay! And here's the thing. So so normally the normal format is that we're going to have a my co-host will be a cosplayer, mm-hmm. a Wonder Woman cosplayer. Yes. Um, but occasionally, I might be your co-host. You might be my co-host occasionally. And I'm, I'm and not really a Wonder Woman cosplayer, but I will say, yes, just because you need to know that I have the cred, okay. that when I was a kid, I had I went as Wonder Woman one year uh, for, and Halloween. for my Halloween costume, and if anybody else around here uh, was a kid in the 70s, you might remember that all of the Halloween costumes were complete crap that you could buy in a store. And and any costume that you got for anything was basically just a horrific plastic mask right. and, like, a plastic bib thing that you wore right. over your clothes. It, it was terrible. It wasn't terrible. even a real shirt. Even when I was a kid, I was like, this is BS, right? <laughs> and so, you like, this mask, you couldn't see out of it, and you'd sweat under it, and... Right. It's awful. And now, I mean, they use them in horror movies and stuff. They're terrible. I know. So, you know? I know. So, but you technically, I have cosplayed Wonder Woman. Awesome. And, you know, I'm other and you than... And you have cosplayed other things. I have cosplayed other things. I just never quite felt completely confident to, um, you know, wear the uh, the Wonder Woman To put on the colors. Suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bathing suit. Yeah. So, but maybe someday. Uh, maybe. <laughs> if I can wear a skirt, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna jump right in. Normally, uh, we're we're, we're gonna start with a breakdown of the episode, like whatever episode we happen to be talking about. Okay. This, this being the, the first pilot. one, it's the pilot. It's the That's pilot, right. and because it's the pilot, we are. There's another way we're going to do things a little differently this time, and that is that we're going to talk about uh, about the history leading up to the show, right? Like the history of, not the complete history of the Wonder Woman character. I will say, as that a kind vast. of disclaimer, yes. I know, I know, yeah. it's a huge thing. And a lot of people have podcasts about Wonder Woman, the comic book character, which okay. is 
awesome. Yeah. You know, but I have to just say right up front, I'm this is the intention of this is as a classic TV show podcast. Right. right. Like I'm a big fan of the TV show. Right. I'm a big fan of classic TV. I'm not necessarily a comic book guy. Right. Well, this is yes, and it's 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 it seems like it's about three things based on what you've told me. Mm-hmm. Right? So classic TV, the classic TV show. Right. Linda Carter. Linda Carter specifically. Specifically yeah. as Wonder Woman and uh, modern day Wonder Woman cosplayers of all shapes, sizes, and stripes. Yes. Right? Yes. So these, these, this is your focus. And this... I think it's awesome. Thank you. Exactly. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see if we'll uh, see. if our listeners agree. So, yes. so what we're going to talk about, um, just to sort of get us all a baseline, without going too too deep into the comics specifically, is just a general sure. yeah. uh, history of Wonder Woman and how she found her way to, uh, you know, the character uh, being on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of history of Linda Carter, mm-hmm. and a little bit of sort of what was going on. In the seventies, when the show first aired, because yeah. it was a very specific oh, kind yeah. of oh, era, yeah. totally. And and I think the context. The more I've thought about it, the more I've looked at sort of what was going on. This was a time period that kind of needed Wonder Woman in a way. Yeah, it was almost. It, I mean, it was almost an inevitability that somebody like Wonder Woman or the Bionic Woman or Charlie's Angels, you know, would start Princess to appear. Leia. I mean, yeah. this is the this is the thing. These all came. Like they came out around right around the same time, yeah. And you know, it was it was the women's liberation movement. But it, I mean, I think it was more than that. I mean, not yeah. that that was anything negligible, but like it it was. I mean, it was like. Well, I can get into that, but about how you know when I was growing up, yeah. You know the impact and how ready I was even as a little girl for that kind of empowerment. Awesome. So right on. Well. Uh, we will talk about those specifics of like that era, mm-hmm. uh, but but my little my little outline uh, has other things first. So sure. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go I'm going to stick to my order. You should. Although maybe we can edit out of order. I don't know. So I'm just going to jump into uh, the character Wonder Woman. So we'll talk about her. Okay. Um, so she was created by William Malton Marsden. Uh, his pen name was Charles Malton. And she first appeared in print in December 1941. That was during World War II. And, by the way, another era of uh, women's empowerment. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is that, you know, all the the men were going to war. So we had a country full of women who were eager to sort of jump in. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but, I mean, you can even see it in classic movies, you know, Catherine Hepburn and I mean Adam's Rib if you've ever seen that movie yeah. you know I mean there was a lot of women's empowerment going on in the 40s right and it's because you know when they when they were able to step up and sort of fill men's shoes while men were off to war uh, people found out they're, they're just as good in every way at everything <laughs> that men do and so it was hard to sort of put that genie back in the bottle when the men came home from war it was impossible yeah, right, right. <laughs> that genie would not go back in the bottle. Exactly. So another thing about Marston, who created the character, he was an American psychologist and self-help author. He invented an early prototype of the lie detector with his wife, Elizabeth Holloway. And there's a lot of talk about how 
the lasso of truth is sort of uh, a, a, a replicant yeah, of that yeah. lie detector. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. Like, I mean, how amazing is that power to be able to force somebody to tell the whole truth? Yeah. I yeah. mean, in a way, it's <laughs> in a way, it's a little bit of a violation. But it is also, you know, I mean, when you know somebody is lying to you, yeah, or when you know when they are have nefarious purposes, you know, the ability to extract truth is incredibly valuable yeah yeah there are other this is a side discussion we may not we may not keep in the in the mix here because um you know there's talk of marston he was in a polyamorous relationship with his wife and his assistant Mm. and this was the 40s still like yeah you, you know i mean uh when did kinsey isn't it kinsey yeah, that was a, that was somewhere in the forties or fifties. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, all that was going on at the same That's time. Right. It was, was like sort of the beginning of... of the sexual revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, there was there was some sort of I I don't know I guess a a a, a flavor of b b what do you call it uh, bond bondage what do you what, bdsm b b and d <laughs> we we don't know um, we know what we mean. Bondage, bondage and discipline, S and M. So BDSM, right? <laughs> I guess. I, I'm anyway, so like we obviously there was a movie about it that we didn't see. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the Wonder Women. Some dude in the Wonder Most, Woman. Most Mar- Marston and his Wonder Women, or something yeah. like that. Okay. I, I mean, I I almost wanted to see it for this podcast, but I thought. But your specific focus is the classic TV show, Linda Carter, and modern-day cosplayers. Right. And whether or not, like, the bracelets and the tying up and all that stuff is is something that sort of bled into the character creation. Mm, I mean, that's the whole that theory behind like the movie. That seems like a stretch to me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what... I mean... It, it seems... I don't know. I mean, it seems more like they're, they're armor and weapons than they are some kind of, like... Again, like it's because it's a woman, I guess. Maybe it has to be sexualized, but maybe, like, maybe you know. I mean, I I think that's a stretch. Yeah, probably. And in any case, it. I mean, it's interesting, but like you say, it's not really essential. It, it's, it's a it's a side trip, in terms of uh, the the essence of the character. What mm-hmm. the essence of the character, as I understand it, was uh, when I I didn't write this quote down, but he. He said he want, or maybe it was, maybe it was his um, his wife who also created. She helped create the character. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that it was a a hero who fought with love, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, it's interesting the the um, the the first of the modern movies. That's like one of the main. Right, yeah. because that's and that and love, yeah. I will say not to pat myself on the back. I thought I figured this out independently, and then I saw that he specifically intended it as part of the character. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you know, Batman is sort of driven by vengeance, and Superman is driven by justice. Mm. Wonder Woman is driven by love, and I th- I think that's a huge it uh, is yeah reason that she, yeah that she is such a powerful influence yeah. and so inspiring to to people and um, why linda carter was such a perfect choice because she's just you know yes she's just like got such a kind soul it just beams out of her you know absolutely okay so that's where the the cartoon the, the i'm sorry the comic book character started oh. <laughs> <laughs> i have to be careful with how i talk about this um so um, and she didn't sort of reappear other than comics, which, you know, the comics 
uh, were very successful and very power, or, uh, popular. Mm-hmm. So in 1967, now Batman started in, in 1966, the TV series. Okay. And in six, okay, so the campy one. The campy. When did the? Do you know when the Batman comic came out? Uh, it was before Wonder Woman. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure it oh, was like it's it's one of the oldest comic books. Wow, probably uh, in the 30s comics. would be my guess, based on the like the gangster kind of like you know the yeah yeah yeah. But he the I, old style gangster, not the. In fact, what's interesting is that both Batman and Superman um, were subjects of serial. Films, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know those really old serials like Flash Gordon. Yeah, um, like people would go to the movies, and you know, before the feature, they would show these serials. Sure. Yeah, and they were like whatever twenty minutes of Flash Gordon, or so. So Batman was one of those. Okay, so it had to be, and those those serials were popular in the thirties and forties. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, I sorry, we digress. It's okay. This way, <laughs> that's the that's the joy of podcasting. Right. We can just take our time. Right. Uh, but we'll try to get to the point. So anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, she didn't appear on TV until a, a year after Batman started, right? So some of the people involved with Batman, uh, specifically William Dozier, I, he was one of the producers of Batman. I know he was involved. He did the announcements because he he did the announcement for this. This was a proof of concept. William Dozier... Uh, wanted Wonder Woman to have a, a show just like Batman. Oh, okay. And so there was a proof of concept. Uh, people call it a pilot, but it's not a pilot. It's like five minutes. Oh, or gosh. Five, have you know. seen that? That would be so cool to see. Well, you would think it, it would terrible? be cool. It's horrible. Oh, dear. It's so Still bad. Still like to see it. It's, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, it's interesting in an archival way. But the problem is they, they didn't really know... I think what he wanted for the tone was was very. Uh, he wanted that camp. He wanted a like real yeah Batman camp. Well, that uh, explains total. a lot. That explains why the pilot, the Wonder Woman pilot, has maybe has some of that camp in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's still it's still being sort of it's still evolving out of the Batman legacy in yeah. a way. Um, but this but this uh, proof of concept thing, this thing they they put together in 1967. Yeah, uh, it is on YouTube. And I will put a link in the show notes, right? I mean, really, um, that's no matter how crappy. I think it'd be really fascinating to see. It, it's fascinating, but here's why it's awful. <laughs> it's because the the character of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. or she's really just Diana Prince in this for the most part. Okay, she switches into Wonder Woman, I think, towards the end. But um, she is like she's sort of lamenting not having a man in her life. Well, so I mean, it's very. It was 1967. Yeah, and and I mean, really, I, I shouldn't say it that way. Her mom is pestering her to get a man in her life, mm-hmm. and she's kind of a, uh, you know, in a way, she's like a Batgirl. You know, she's like a, a sort of a nerdy librarian type. Yeah, but like, wait, I'm sorry, it was like the Amazons and Paradise Island was that not part of the comic book? It was part of the comic book, but so it was. So then, what not- was this dude talking about? I don't know. That's okay. the thing. He like was this just a little bit like. Off. Yeah, this character he created for this proof of concept for the for the series yeah. was. It, it was it like was his way own off, fantasy wish fulfillment. That was yeah, and off. here's the weird thing. Like so, this in this little proof of concept, the Wonder Woman, the cre- the the character of Wonder Woman has like this fantasy where she sees a beautiful version of herself in the mirror, and the thing is. 
it's part partly the bad quality of the YouTube, but I didn't know that was supposed to be another actor in the mirror, and it is. It's like a supposedly beautiful woman in the mirror and a supposedly plain-looking Diana Prince looking at her, and they both look almost exactly the same. Okay, so this little thing just came out of the weird brain of some random dude. William Dozier. Okay, well, anyway. William, what's going on, dude? Anyway, I mean, the idea of having a comic book style show, which mm-hmm. the pilot definitely is, com- you know, is intended to look oh, yeah, yeah. like a comic book. I mean, I think that little kernel is still there, you know, but... Uh, and. You but know, they definitely but, improved. But yes, on yeah. whatever that dude was up to, who knows? Right. Well, he was he was swimming in the Batman. Uh, yeah, but camp there was none of that. Thing. Like there was none of that chauvinism going on necessarily in Batman. No, that's the thing. It. You, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sorry. No, no. I am no, not you, an aficionado about that. That can't be '60s Batman. So I could be wrong. But no, I've seen enough right. of it to think that there was not. Like you're right. The Batman you know, show was great. He was and, pretty honorable for the most part. Yeah, and and that's. I, I think that's what he, the the guy who created this this thing this YouTube thing uh, he 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 was missing that about Batman mm. was that the guy who plays Batman oh, Adam West Adam West yeah, yeah. yeah Adam West was a really good actor and he was like Wonder Woman in the show yeah he's really sincere yeah like I mean he's he's a little bit he plays the camp. he's playing the camp right. obviously but but he, was, yeah, but he plays playing. it in a sincere way right. like he's always holding that sincere line yeah. of. You know, I'm 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 a hero. I'm going to do things right. And, right, right. You know, like he's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, maybe just maybe it's impossible. I don't know. When it comes to Wonder Woman, you know, taking the sort of sexiness out of it, or like trying to deny that part of her appeal. I mean, part of her appeal is how beautiful she is, and right. and not that that's I'm not. I'm not saying that's good, bad, or otherwise. I'm just saying that, uh, I mean, it's sort of a reality, I think, of that character. And this guy was laying his own kind of baggage on it, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. whatever. All right. So so that was the first attempt to get her on TV. It, it failed. And so the next time she appeared on TV, uh, it was the same year, actually, 67, there was an animated version of Wonder Woman called Wonder Girl in the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure. So yeah, they had to they had to um, demote her to a teen to yeah. a teenage girl so she wouldn't be so threatening. <laughs> I'm serious. No doubt. I believe right? you. I hear you. All right. So then, believe it or not, the 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 first time Wonder Woman as we know her as a comic book character in a cartoon appears. Is in the Brady Kids. In a cartoon or a comic book? In, I'm sorry, in a cartoon. Okay. I'm, t- I'm talking about TV appearances. Oh, okay. Yeah. TV appearances. Like, okay. like, like I, I said, I'm not really touching right. the whole comic fine, book fine, thing fine. because I don't... No, no, I'm sorry. I just you, It's you, too overwhelming had, for me. You had said cartoon when you meant comic before, so I just wanted to be sure. I'm confused. Many times I will be confused. Um, so uh, the Brady Kids in 1972 had a an episode in their animated show called It's All Greek to Me. And apparently Wonder Woman appeared in that. Uh, um, the, uh, the Brady kids had an animated show? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I know. I didn't. Like, how I... weird. And and that Wonder Woman appeared to them. But I guess if you have a cartoon, <laughs> you know, anything you can, can happen. You can do anything. 
But but here's the, and here's the interesting thing. So like, you know, Wonder Woman is one of the Amazons, and I yeah. gather, I un, I think that in the original comic book, oh, what's the name of the the proper island that they they bring back the name? Thermoscara. 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 I actually have not. I don't know how it's spelled, but I think it's something like Thermoscara. Our cred. They call it paradise. There's nothing wrong with our cred. <laughs> Um, they call it Paradise Island on the classic TV show. They never right. call it Thermoscura. But, they... but part of the reason is because it's moved. I don't. I don't know what happened in the comic books, but in the TV show, it's moved to the Atlantic. It's in the Bermuda Triangle, right? Right. right. And is that where it is in in the uh, Gal Gadot one as well? No, in Gal Gadot. Well, I actually. The thing is, is that it doesn't take them very <laughs> long to know. get to New York. I know. So I, I maybe it really is in the Bermuda. I, I mean, that's, I that's one of the things about that movie is that you're like he, they like she goes to sleep and he's like, wake up, we're here. <laughs> you're like, damn, it was yeah, really not far. It to must get be in the Atlantic. The thing is, but it's so so Amazons are a Greek, tropical, <laughs> Mediterranean, not tropical. Right, right. I thought it was. I thought it was back where it should be in in the Mediterranean, like but in Greece I, somewhere or near Greece. Near Greece, because right. it's a. But it, I mean, like I don't know. Magically, somehow they got to New York like overnight. So anyway, we again digress. <laughs> it will happen more than once. Yes, yes. So, um, but I mean the 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 title of this Brady Kids cartoon. Oh my God, we're still talking episode. About the well, it's Kids. because it's all Greek to me. I assume they were in Greece and they ran into Wonder Woman because she's an Amazon, because which is she's a Greek an Amazon, which is a Greek myth, you know, part of the Greek mythology. Right, right. And like all the stuff in Themyscira, Themyscira, Themyscira. Okay, I'm I'm gonna just you you talk. I'm gonna just look it up so that we know how it's spelled. Okay, like you know the architecture there, the fact that. She's the daughter of a Greek god. You know, like all that stuff is Greek. So it seems to me it's all from the Mediterranean. And the island originally in the car- in the comic book <laughs> must must have been in the Mediterranean. But I don't know. Okay, so um, the, the great oracle of the internet says that it is spelled T-H-E-M, like them, fem, femis, gira, T H E M Y S C I R A Themyscira Themyscira. All right. I was I was pretty you much. Were uh, there way was no closer R, than I was. but otherwise it was. I mean, there is an R later, but you know, there's no therm. There's always it's not an thermo. R. There's always an R lurking around. Themyscira Themyscira Skira Themyscira. Okay, so it was pretty. It was pretty and very Greek. It was pretty and very Greek, <laughs> but it's in a magical place behind the mists that's true no matter where it is that right? yeah so that like was really... it doesn't even like maybe it doesn't exist in any particular time or place mm. in our world maybe it exists you know sort of in a separate dimension i will say that um i mean first of all in a movie you can create that sort of mystic barrier in a tv show it's harder and the f- in fact, in the seventies, the the Bermuda Triangle was like a, a huge thing. Oh yeah. The, yeah, everybody was. It was like quicksand. It was one of those things that was in everybody's show at some <laughs> yeah, point. I know, right? <laughs> you were going to die of quicksand and get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, you Triangle. didn't die of quicksand because there was always a, a there's always a branch. branch. 
Thank goodness. Yes. Or somebody to come. Like, I, you know, we all learned what you're supposed to do. Yes, get a branch. I, again, I digress. <laughs> but not only that, but like you spread. It's like getting on thin ice. You have to spread your weight out. Yeah, spread your weight out. <laughs> get a branch. How do I know these things? I do know about thin ice because I grew up in Minnesota. Yes, yes. Um, so, the Super Friends cartoon. In 1973, the very next year, okay. finally introduces Wonder Woman, as the proper woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is a proper Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman as Wonder Woman, pal to Batman and Superman. As we know, uh, there she is. 73. It took that long to and get the actual Wonder Woman pal, on TV. Not just a pal, but an equal. In yes. 1973. 73. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to our 1975 pilot. But listen... What happens in 1974? Somebody decides to make a Wonder Woman TV movie. Really? Yes. Jeez. Maybe we, I should be worried about our cred. How do I not know about this? Have we not? Why have we not watched we, this? Uh, we didn't watch it because I didn't think it was... Uh, first of all, none of the production team is really carried over. They didn't really carry over into the, the, uh, the TV it? show. I saw it when I was a teenager. Is it terrible? Well, um, here's, so here's the thing. Uh, Linda Carter auditioned for it, but she didn't get the part. Wow. They, they cast Kathy Lee Crosby, who was a oh, tennis player. I do remember you telling me a little something about that. Okay. Yeah. And, and so and they, they changed the character. Uh, she, wasn't, she wasn't quite the... Not, not as strong. Not as powerful. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember what she, they... They nerfed her. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember what they did with like specifics, like the bracelets and the and the yeah. Uh, um, yeah. the. Still would be interesting to see. It. I. I really. We I should wanted watch, to watch it. Both that little proof of concept and that terrible movie, <laughs> and and do a later episode of the podcast just to riff on it. Well, I will say um, this movie with Kathy Lee uh, Crosby, who, who, by the way, is not terrible. I mean, the Wonder Woman that they created for the movie, she's fine for. You know, she did a nice job. Yeah. She she has that same kind of sort of uh, kindness, mm-hmm. I think, that Linda Carter has. Mm-hmm. Um, but but not, she's not as uh, sweet. Yeah. Not as genuine. Well, how many people are? Not many. I mean, there, I mean, there are some, but like Linda Carter is extra like there's an extra kindness going on there yeah yeah absolutely which is i think part of i mean a huge part of her appeal right and yeah. and it may be i don't know what they were looking for when they didn't cast her in this but you know maybe that she was a little well, bit she young was she was young. so young i mean like how old was she when when she did the pilot uh she, i think she was 21 yeah i mean like dude she's practically not even legal when that <laughs> right. uh, that other one came out um, I will say about uh, this TV movie, Ricardo Montalban plays one of the bad guys. Ooh. Montalban. Did I say Montalban? I didn't mean uh, no, to. No, you didn't. Okay. No. But anyway, Ricardo Montalban was one of the wow, bad guys. He was nice. so good. I remember him. Yeah. I definitely remember him. Of course. Him. Why, I mean, you all, one always remembers Ricardo Montalban. Yes, yes. So <laughs> he was fantastic. So the, the TV movie more or less leads us to uh the show okay and so i'm just going to double back now and let's talk about linda carter so here are some facts about linda carter jump in wherever she was born in 1951 okay so right now uh let's just so the p- 
pilot was probably shot at in 74 or 75. It came out in January of 76. So, yes. No, that it, was, that was uh, Bionic oh, Woman, shit. remember? I'm sorry. The, um, <laughs> no, November um, 7th. November, of, November of 75. So The it, end of 75, probably it was shot earlier it in It was 75. probably shot, yes, sometime in 75. So, 51, 61, 71. So, she was 24-ish. Okay. Twenty-three or twenty-four, so she wasn't okay. she wasn't as young as I thought, but yeah, but still, but yeah. still pretty young. Yeah. Um. So she was born in Phoenix. Uh, her father was. Why do they put like a racial breakdown in here? Like that's important. I don't know. I guess it's important because she. What I didn't know was that her mother was of uh, Mexican heritage okay. as well as Spanish and French. So that's really okay. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Um. Because I wonder. I've been wondering this, and I, I meant to look it up. If, because one of the one of the pod or one of the cosplayers that I follow is uh, Colombian, okay. and and so she does she does like spoof videos of of Wonder Woman. Like she she replicates the actual shots oh, of Wonder of Woman the, of the TV show. But she's but she's using the Spanish language version of the TV show. Oh, and it sounds like Linda Carter. And I'm, I guess I'm wondering if she oh if she speaks if Spanish, she did yeah. the okay. she must, it'd be interesting to know. I guess I don't know. Um, anyway, this is completely neither here nor there. Yes, and probably I don't know. Who knows? You can cut it out if it sounds wrong. But when I I went um, some many years ago uh, and ran away to Arizona to do the Arizona Renaissance Festival. Oh, yeah. And um, having grown up in Minnesota, you know, uh, it's not like it was the first time I'd gone anywhere, but I had never been to the Southwest. And I noticed, I thought that I noticed, that there were a lot of really tall people in Arizona. Really? Like, I don't know why, but, like, it just seemed like people were really tall and lean. Just... Like, there's a lot of really tall freaking people. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and this is, you know, who knows. But, like, the fact that Linda Carter is this, like, super statuesque, like, tall person. It may just be from, she's, because she's from know. Arizona. It's probably stupid. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Well, that's, but that's so weird because, like, most Minnesotans are Norwegian, and Norwegian people are supposed to be tallish some of them are yeah 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 but there's this like sort of tall lanky quality that uh-huh. i noticed huh. you know like your cowboys <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that is okay so so look out for that in arizona listeners <laughs> tall lanky people <laughs> all right so linda carter in 56 she was five years old she made her tv debut on public TV, Lou King's talent show. Wow! So she Five years was old. like she was, she was a she was a talent baby. Like she a, was going after it. Like like I mean, all her stuff here. She was she was starting. She early. wanted she, it from the very beginning, or her parents wanted it. I don't know. Well, I th- she obviously loved performing. And did she? Do we know that, or did were her parents? Well, I think I think time I mean, she, has told the tale. She loved you know? it enough, right? She, yeah. I she, think mostly. You know, looking back, you know, sort of jumping ahead to where she is now, she's been doing music primarily, uh-huh. but but she loves singing in front of an audience. Yeah. It seems yeah. like you know she's always on tour. She's yeah. always okay, uh, uh, but it's mostly music now. You know, she yeah, she did she movies did. and she. I mean, when we listened to the commentary, you know, she talked about how desperately she wanted the part, and she, it had been her dream, she, her yeah. dream come true. 
Oh, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, so, I mean, she must have loved it enough to, at that time at least, to really, really want to be able to do it. Yeah, well, you she, know? it sounds like she switched from, you know, in high school, um, you know, she started performing in a band, she started singing, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and let me just give this little trivia because I'm so excited about, okay. you know, MASH. Uh, but she joined two of her cousins in a band called The Relatives, right? Okay. Uh, Gary Berghoff was the drummer. Ah, nice. And this was in 1967. It was right when that weird proof of concept thing like uh-huh, came up, right? Uh-huh. Like, um, so they they opened up at the Sahara Hotel and Casino Lounge in Vegas for three oh months. Oh, God. She was how old? She was, tw- she was under 21, so she had to enter through the kitchen. She was. She just busted out of. She was sixteen, of, right? No, she was sixteen. No, she was sixteen. Yeah, 15. she was six. Well, this thing. She was says born she in fifty-one, and it was sixty-seven. What? Well, the thing that I read said she was sixteen, but 16, she right. she was. I mean, it probably happened through yes. being seventeen as well. So I but, can just hear my friend Claire being like, "Oh, Laura, <laughs> you just can't do the math in your head." I mean, obviously, she was born in 51, and it was 67, so that's 16 years. Obviously. Push-up glasses. Yes. yes. So, but here's the thing. So, obviously, she loved singing so much that she was, I don't, it doesn't say that she dropped out of high school, but she, maybe she was doing it in the in the summertime and on weekends, but, like, she really, she wanted it bad enough that yeah. she was doing yeah. these gigs yeah. uh, as, a, as a teenager. Okay. And, but then, so, uh, and she started college. Um, she was voted most talented and she dropped out uh, to keep doing her music career. Okay. Um, so originally she thought it was going to be a music career. Yeah, like uh, all the way through. So in 70, she was still touring with somebody called the Garfin Gathering, touring in Nevada. So yeah, she did all this music touring and and then in 72, that's when she switched to... Well, well she actually... She... Um, Entered a beauty contest. I was gonna say she probably started modeling. Yeah, yeah she started modeling and yeah. beauty contest and stuff. And, I mean, and like, you, there's like, there's no ignoring. That's the yeah. I mean, people were probably telling her you beauty. have to do yeah. this, right? Yeah. 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 So, but then she she went to New York in '73 mm-hmm. and took acting classes. Yes, and she said that she had been acting or she had been taking classes, studying for about two years, mm-hmm. and you know she. She had twenty five dollars in her bank account, right? When, when she got the call, from yeah. The pilot. And, and the yeah. thing is, I don't know if that was bad planning because she doesn't sound like she was in L A. Very well. Long. Does anybody like when well, you know people yeah. go to like New York or to, was she in L A. So well, so she she did her schooling in New York and then she went to L A. Okay, I was picturing New York, but yeah, yeah. But she, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, this is the thing. You know, you go to try to make it. Oh, it's, it's just tough. like it's brutal. It's well, brutal. what happened was so she and she said she got a um, just like she said in the commentary, she got a couple of shows, uh, you know, like one day jobs right. on TV shows. Right. And she got one feature film. Yeah. And that was Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, <laughs> yeah. which, which I watched. Yeah. And and she did these two, um, you know, she was on Matt Helm, who was like an old 007 guy. Okay. And something called Nakia, which I've never heard of, but I guess it was she was she played somebody's wife. It was like one of those. I think it was a cop show. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, 
And that's what she had before she did the pilot. Yeah. But even after she did the pilot, she still did stuff. She did an episode of Starsky and Hutch. Because yeah. because the thing is, once you do the pilot... Right. You don't that, know. That was probably a good payday, but yeah, yeah you, you don't, don't know, know if, if the gonna show's going to pick up. And yeah. half the, or more than half the time, they don't. So. Yeah. Yeah. So and she did one TV movie, I think probably also after the pilot. Yeah. While she was waiting to see if the show would yeah. get picked up, because here's the show. So the pilot happened. It it uh, went on the air November seventh, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened subsequently was, um, I don't know. The network said it was going to pick it up, but there was only two more episodes in the spring, the following spring. Okay. And then they picked it up again for the first season proper, I suppose. So probably what happened the following is, fall. yeah. I mean, they probably shot the first 13 like they usually do, right? Well, and And, maybe, then, yeah. and then aired two of those. Right. And then, you know, decided whether they were going to air the rest of them. But yeah, they, well, once you get a contract, you get yeah. a contract for the first 13. So, like, I'm sure they must have shot them. Okay. Well, I mean, I I'm I guess I'm not sure, but I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, no. There's no way why that. Why would they only do yeah, two? No, they would not. They would not. That would it'd be stupid. They just it'd be held financially them back. stupid. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that they could start a full season the yeah. following year. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's how Linda Carter gets to uh, Wonder Woman. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the news, pop culture. What was happening in 1975? It's going to blow your mind. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember, I'm sorry, this is a a tangent, but I, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I was born in 1968, Mm -hmm. okay? So I was a little kid, you know, I was seven years old when Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman came out. And I only found out, like, when I was in my 20s that... Vietnam, the Vietnam War ended in 76. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that... I, I, I had heard about the Vietnam War, yeah. but, like, I had no idea that the Vietnam War was happening during my lifetime. I had and, the same experience. Yeah. And, I mean, in one way, you're, you're kind of glad that your parents protected you mm-hmm. from that, you know, the horror of what was going on. Yeah. Between 1968 and 1976, but like, right. But also, you're sort of like, oh my god! I had yeah, to, yeah. I, I knew it was. I knew it was recent history, but I didn't know it was still happening. Yeah, right. And that's the first piece of news I have from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually that year in 1975 that uh, the city of Saigon surrenders, and the remaining Americans there are evacuated. You know, that's the famous footage you see with helicopters on a rooftop and, you know, Americans and refugees trying to get on those helicopters. Oh, my God. And there's only the last couple of helicopters Sounds that like go. Sounds like Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, like... like a nightmare. But, yeah. and, but that, was, that was 75. That was that year. The guys from um, Watergate, uh, Mitchell, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, they, they're finally found guilty and sentenced that year. Mm-hmm. So that's very recent. The whole Watergate thing. I remember my uncle watching the, the Watergate trials, yeah. Yeah. And um, on the other side of the coin, uh, the Apollo and Soyuz spacecraft take off for a U.S.-Soviet link-up in space. 
Wow. I didn't even know that happened. I didn't know that either. That, <laughs> did it actually occur? Uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah. That's I mean, so I don't. Cool. I mean, it wasn't like you know, it's not like the space station where they got to spend a lot of time together. I think the the stunt was just that it was a link up. Now yeah, that I'm man, talking about it, I something. remember. Yeah, like like they just they they were able to link their spacecraft. Yeah. And interact and talk. And that's awesome. I, I don't know how long it lasted, but then they had to you know unlink and yeah and yeah go yeah. Their way. yeah. But, but still, that that's so symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's really cool. And so also in the fall, like right before, you know, two months before uh, Wonder Woman premieres, uh, there are two attempts uh, of uh, two assassination attempts on uh, President Ford's life. Wow. One of them is uh, Squeaky Fromm from from uh, seriously from uh, Charlie Manson's family. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, huh? All right. I mean, so, that was um, that that had to be like that whole era had to be where the Secret Service was like, we better get our shit together. Well, so this you is know? this is what I'm talking about, where like so so you know like leading like all the way from the assassination of of Kennedy mm-hmm. up through uh, Nixon's resignation and Watergate mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like this incredible disillusionment, even yeah. even. In the con- the conservative uh, population, sure, sounds that, all sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, and of course, there's all the civil rights movement and yeah. second wave feminism. Yeah, and, it all sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's this, I, there's this sort of dichotomy of, you know, we're losing the grip on what our country is supposed to be. Yeah, but there's also this emerging sense of we can be better yeah. you know like there's uh, yeah you know people fighting for the underdog and people finding their voice yeah. and so it's the perfect time this is kind of what i was thinking before this is the perfect time for somebody like for wonder woman an honorable yeah because the heroine the 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 weird balance that the show strikes mm-hmm. uh, is that it's incredibly patriotic yeah. But it also speaks to the emerging sort of progressive voice. Yeah. Where, you know, that that's about feminism and about the yeah. underdog. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, you'll get into this, of course, more as your uh, podcast progresses. But what's interesting is, you know, you're talking about this, the progressive, you know, and feminism and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that, you know, the first season is this whole 1940s, you know, uh, World War Two thing, and then the second two seasons are very much more like a bionic woman, nineteen seventies, right? You right. know, like strong woman kind of thing, and they both have their place. Yeah, you know what's interesting about where the show is headed. You know, like Linda, Linda said in the commentary that she preferred the the second and third season where they were in the present day. Right, right. And not only were they in the present day, but they played with the technology in a way and sort of they they were trying to push into the future. Well, they were influenced by Star Wars. Star Wars and was Buck Rogers on? Yeah, at that but time? Buck Rogers was also influenced by Star Wars. It, everything was influenced by okay. Star Wars. Yeah, cuz that goofy little robot thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and like there was a there was a computer, you know, do, 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 do. <laughs> Yeah, no, like every show everywhere everything yeah. was influenced by Star Wars. Yeah. And I say that with I mean like all delight I'm a huge right. Star Wars fan sure sure so um, but yeah I mean like 
everybody wanted to suddenly be like futuristic and robotic and you know because yeah. because Star Wars was like it just blew the roof off of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, that's ooh, ooh, I yes, have to yes, make yes. an interesting point about that though. Okay. You know, both Wonder Woman and Star Wars are are sort of rooted in this mythology. And so I, you know, I feel like there was a hunger for that at mm-hmm. the time, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there's a hunger for that sort of thing now. We're having we're having a resurgence of that. Yeah. Um, with all of the different fantasy shows and the shows that are about magic and shows that are about legend and stuff like that, which, it, I mean, it's a great time to be a geek. Right, right, know? right. Well, and we've we've gotten to a point where the technology is is meeting our imagination, right, right? right. So that you they can actually make things, uh, you know, that they never could have made before that you could only put in a book. Yeah, so. yeah. So a couple of more things about pop culture, um, just to sort of put us in the yeah in the era. Yeah. Um, first of all, for people who care about this, I, I wouldn't remember anything about this, but. Uh, the Boston Red Sox were in the World Series, and they almost beat Cincinnati, but they didn't. <laughs> because until very recent history, and I think it was when... It uh, was when that movie came out. Right, yes, when the one, Drew Barrymore yeah, and... and um, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy right? Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Yes, they, and, and like they, to their amazement, they made this whole movie about this giant Red Sox fan, and then like, and the Red Sox won I that know. year. They didn't expect that. They, they now, didn't write the script. By the for way, it. now Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon have to show up every time because they're they're the good luck charm. It's awesome. like not washing your you know lucky socks or whatever. I don't know. I don't know from sports, but I. I but I, we know that I movie. Hear, yeah, I hear, and we saw that movie. I, I think I've seen it a couple times. I know. I love that movie. It's delightful. That that was one What's of. What's it called? Uh, we, never been know. kissed. No, that no, can't that's, be right. No, that's a different that's, one. That's something else. Anyway, that's another Drew Look Barrymore movie. It's the one that, with Drew Barrymore and Jimmy. It it is Jimmy Fallon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. When he was still acting before yeah, he was before hosting. he was like the super TV show host. Yeah. So also the Academy Award uh, Best Picture that year went to Godfather Part Two. Not well not part as it one, should. Part Two, yeah. I mean. Damn. Yeah. I mean, Godfather Part Two is truly a work of art. It's like a painting. Oh yeah. So here's 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 a bunch of movies that came out that year. Okay. Um, speaking of Godfather and Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon. I almost didn't put Dog Day Afternoon on the list because it actually came out just a little bit after our premiere. It, it came out in late November or early December. But, okay. And same with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Those were both. They both came out at see, the end of the you year. You see how realistic and gritty those are, like that. Yeah, it was. We were shifting and shifting toward more of like a a fantasy bent. Speaking of fantasy, the big summer movie was Jaws. Okay, Steven Spielberg, yeah. right? Um, also, um, here's some other movies: Nashville, uh, Rollerball, uh? Return of the Pink Panther. Tommy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Stepford Wives, the Stepford Wives. Yeah. Shampoo. Oh, with what? Carrie Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> She's like 18 years old. Um, and these are two big movies for me. One one I was aware of that year, one I wasn't aware of until five years later. But okay. Escape to Witch Mountain. Mm-hmm. 
those two kids are witches. <laughs> I remember the uh, the All commercials right. for but that. But that was Disney. But that was but Disney. Yes, and Disney has always been in the business yeah. of fantasy. And I totally saw that movie when it came out, for sure, in the drive-in. Nice. And um, here's a movie that came out, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Wow. I didn't know about it at the time, but it, like in 1980, I think, is the first time I saw that movie. But yeah. wow. Nice. Monty Python. The Holy, the Holy came Grail. Out that and year. like the Holy Monty Python's The Holy Grail is the Holy Grail of Monty Python movies. That is brilliant. Oh my it, god. It's the Holy Grail <laughs> of quotable movies. Yes. That yes, yes. and Galaxy Quest. Oh sure. Are like the the most well, excuse me if I make a proclamation. That's okay. The most quotable movies. Absolutely. I'm sure there are people who think otherwise, but Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go... This is a, a deeper cut. I'm going to talk about the cult movies that came out that year just to make people nice. uh, happy. It, but you're just trying to amp up our geek cred here, Maybe. Right? I don't know, but I certainly <laughs> didn't see these movies when they first came out. First of all, Pam Greer's Sheba Baby. I haven't even seen that yet. I haven't yet. heard of it. <laughs> I, I've seen two... I love Pam Greer. Yes, I've I I've seen two do, of her yeah. classic 70s movies. Yeah. Coffee and uh, something else that I, c- I can't think of right now. And then but, also her modern, her more modern. But of course, Jack yeah, Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so great. Death Race two thousand. <gasps> Speaking of, um, I think I've seen that. Really? I yeah. my my brother liked to watch weird ass shit. These time. are all, by the way, these are all like great uh, drive-in movies. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. You um, had a drive-in close to you. Uh, we we never went to the drive-ins. So. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Russ Meyer's Super Vixens, which, oh, um, also um, Deep Red, which is it's one of those Italian giallo movies. I don't want to say, I don't want to try to guess know. who directed it, uh, but it's uh, it's like it's like a it's like giallo is like the precursor to slasher movies. Oh, very well, big stuff. No wonder I don't know about it. <laughs> Dolomite. Uh, did you see the the um, the recent movie with um, Eddie Murphy? No. He 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 did a basically a tribute to the guy who created Dolomite. Huh. Uh, it was an incredible movie. And so I really want to see this original. Okay. But it's like it's like the, the sort of the ultimate like black exploitation kind of I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also speaking of exploitation, Ilsa Shewolf of the SS. <laughs> oh my god. One of the great exploitation movies of all time. All right. So, you know, as usual, the B movies lead the way to yeah. the newer trend. Right. Which is toward fantasy. And we end up in the early 80s with, like, Beastmaster. Yeah. And, yeah. Speaking of which, one last movie. Conan. Rocky, The Rocky Horror Picture Show came out in yeah, 75. See? Yeah. And the, nobody would make that movie now. Mm. I mean, you know, no. things were things were wild. Wild, wild, wild. In the mid-70s. Wild. (laughs) Now, closer to home, on your TV screen, TV movies that came out that year. Trilogy of Terror, possibly one of the best TV movies of all time. Oh, you watched that recently. I just watched it. I stepped in a few times, and I was impressed in my way. I don't watch horror, so. Yeah, yeah. But but I watched a little bit of it. Oh, so good. And The Legend of Lizzie Borden, which is Elizabeth Montgomery. She was trying wow. to break out of her. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that makes me sad. <laughs> well, don't don't be sad. She was great no, at Lizzie people Borden. People like horror movies. I know. <laughs> Whatever. I see. Yes, you're sad about the horror. I'm movie. sad that you know uh, Samantha was 
in a horror movie. Yes. Well, I mean, but it was really cool. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Speaking of horror, Linda Blair was in two TV movies, Sarah T. Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic and Sweet Revenge. Very exciting. Also, Count of Monte Cristo and Murder on Flight 502, which was an early Farrah Fawcett movie. Oh, okay. Bef- before she was a, an angel. Yeah. Um, the top ten movie, or the, I'm sorry, the top ten TV shows uh, in 74 to 75, and a lot of these carried over to 75. So okay. this is what we were watching. All in the Family was number one. Ooh, I was going to read this in reverse. Sorry. I was going to lead up to All in the Family. Oh. But let's just say All in the Family was... Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. <laughs> Songs, Songs that made, that the, made the hit, hit parade. parade. Okay. Uh, so let me read. I'm going to read from 10. Hawaii Five-0. Maud. The Waltons. Good Times. Rhoda. Mash. The Jeffersons. I can't believe the Jeffersons beat MASH. Well, that's okay. It's a good show. Uh, Chico and the Man, Sanford and Son, and then All in the Family. Those were the top ten shows. Oh, my God, dude. Do you know like how many of those shows have people of color? That is freaking awesome. I know. Yeah, totally. Like what you're wow. saying. Like this is a progressive. We need to like, fucking get back to that. I mean, we have now finally uh, in a lot of ways, but st- like... Still, you know, a way to go, but that's impressive. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. Four and five, you said, yeah. Yeah, it really into the seventy-five era because most of these top ten shows uh, stayed in the top ten or the top twenty yeah, yeah. the following year. Yeah, and these are the shows, by the way, that were introduced in nineteen seventy-five. Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Epic. One day at a time. Uh, Faulty Towers, which we didn't know about here, but <laughs> yes. Um, Welcome back, Cotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starsky and Hutch, of course, mm. and Space 1999. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. And then, of course, uh, premiering in 1975, November 7th, I believe, uh, is Wonder Woman. Now, one more thing about pop culture before. Okay. And what I'm going to do is, for the podcast, I'm going to actually play some clips from these songs. Oh, okay. Because I think that will really sort of... If you were of a certain age, like me, uh, actually around at the time, uh, these songs, I think, will sort of get you in the vibe of the 70s. So that last one, Island Girl, mm-hmm. was the number one song. These are all number one songs. The weeks leading up to November 7th. Okay. And Island Girl was number one the very week that, that the premiere took place. Okay. Which, in a way, is appropriate. I thought, when I heard the title, Island Girl, because she's <laughs> from an island, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Except 
for the first time, I listened to the actual lyrics. Oh. I read the lyrics yeah. of Island Girl. Yeah. It ha- it's nothing yeah. like they're, they're not nice. <laughs> it's actually shocking. Oh my gosh, the 70s, we were obsessed with who knows what. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. The fact is, Elton John's a great artist. Yes. So It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like I think of Island Girl as an 80s song, but I think it's because it just played and played. Really? You know? I remember it from the 70s, but I just could not... I never heard the lyrics, nor would I... I didn't really care. It's one of those things where I wasn't curious to hear the lyrics. Like, I just listened to the music, and then over time, it never occurred to me to listen to the lyrics. Anyway, we (laughs) digress. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, so that's everything leading up to... The show. Okay. The show actually premiering. Allied pilot Steve Trevor lands on Paradise Island, hidden inside the Bermuda Triangle. Princess Diana defies her mother's wishes and follows Steve back to America to fight the Nazis, an existential threat to all men and women, greeting the world as the new original Wonder Woman. What an exciting intro. All right, so this is the first time that people get to see this iteration of Wonder Woman. And it starts, as you hummed, with this great uh, uh, orchestration, this great theme song. And I'm trying to find who wrote that. It's in my notes. You probably should have your glasses on. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Put my glasses on. All right, so Charles Fox wrote this, and Norman Gimble also uh, uh, was the co-writer. But Charles Fox, I've heard his name before. He's credited for that. He wrote the music. Yes, that incredible theme song. What a great theme song. It is. It kind of moves me to tears every now and then. In your satin tights, (laughs) fighting for our rights. (laughs) He he didn't write the lyrics. Maybe he just wrote the music. Maybe he didn't write the satin tights part. I'm not sure. (laughs) That might have been this other fellow, Norman Norman Gimbel. But anyway, so we hear this great music and... There's this... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping the gun. So before the credits happen, there's a pre-credit sequence. Yes, the newsreel. And it's narrated by Paul Fries, who you probably recognize as... Uh, I believe he's the Burgermeister Meister Burger. What? <laughs> he does... He's done all this uh, voiceover work. Toys? Toys? <laughs> and he was, he was some guy in one of the Godzilla movies... I mean, like he's his voice is everywhere. Yeah. Okay. And and according to the um, the Blu-ray, uh, you know, the the narration on the Blu-ray between uh, between Linda Carter and the uh, the creator of the show, Douglas Kramer. Um, he Douglas Kramer was saying they were just looking for somebody that sounded like Roosevelt. Oh. And yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's my, you know, it's indicative of my time, but like I. Who would know how what would Roosevelt? You know? Yeah. 
Well, but but guess, at that time, there were people who knew what Roosevelt sounded like. Yeah, because sure. I guess he did all these radio addresses and stuff. So, I don't know. It was before <laughs> Only TV. one of the most famous things that ever happened for an American president, the Fireside yes. Chats. Oh, that's you're right. I'm sorry. You're like, did, the fireside didn't he do chat? some radio thing? <laughs> you are correct. Um, so, yeah. So, he said they were looking for somebody that sounded like Roosevelt, and it was Paul Fries, this this um, voiceover guy, and so he he narrates this opening with all with real, um, you know, like World War Two footage and mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and and does his little voice imitation of Roosevelt, yeah, which sounds like the Burgermeister, in my opinion. I don't know, and then and then uh, the screen goes color, and there's a big, you know. Like, uh, you know, pow, like Thunderbolt. Yeah, yeah. And then they start this opening, the, the credit sequence, which what's beautiful about it, right, is yeah. is that it's it's all animated. It looks like a, a, a comic book. Yeah. And then Linda Carter jumps out of the comic book to become real. I know. <laughs> Fulfilling the fantasies of young boys everywhere. That's right. <laughs> and girls. Yeah. So, and, and that's, you know, I'm glad you said that, because that's something I want to talk about. Like, like in all these podcasts, in all these episodes, yeah. how she, somehow, they, they hit the right combination with, with everything about this show, with the, the balance of how comic booky it is and how, uh-huh. how it has real heart and, and how Wonder Woman, as portrayed by Linda Carter... Is so beautiful mm-hmm. and so powerful, and and for for men, little boys, whatever, she's like gorgeous, and yeah. you know, it definitely elicits this response. But also for little girls and for women, she is beautiful in a in a different way, and and so empowering, or in the same way, depending or, on the girl. Sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, she is. She's. I think you know during that time we had. You know, we had the Bionic Woman, and we had Princess Leia, and we had... Sorry, I might get a little emotional. That's okay. You talk. No, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm after. I want to I especially hear your point of view, like, like why she's so incredible. And, and I love that you, you know, you mentioned uh, Leia and, and Bionic Woman, and I know you've talked about um, the, uh, who's the... Woman from Buck Rogers. Colonel Wilma Deering. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, talk about that. Like, as a little girl, how did that feel? Yeah. I mean, it it, it was empowering. It was. And, you know, you look back at these now, and they don't exactly seem like, you know, in every case, like your big feminist icon. But they, they were, they were beautiful and feminine, but they were strong. And, like, they... The lure of the idea that you could be strong enough to fight off bad guys or to lift a car or, you know, I mean, I, we had the same feeling about Pippi Longstocking. Like this idea that you could protect yourself, that you could protect the people you love, you know, is, I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, women uh, are stronger and stronger physically, but ultimately most of the time women are physically not as strong as men i mean that's just 
a fact of biology and it's scary, you know? And so it's not only that, that she was physically strong, you know, but she was so honorable, you know, and righteous and, and yet <laughs> and so sweet. Like she, she somehow did all of that while being, you know, beautiful and sweet and feminine, which is a mix that I think is, I think that's what feminism looks like, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it was empowering and it was inspiring. Awesome. I agree. So part of the sequence is then we, we get to see Steve Trevor do the same thing. He jumps out of the, uh, yeah. the comic book. And then goes ding. <laughs> ding. A little, little, little sparkle, sparkle. and a smile. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what I think is cool about it is that it's the literal sort of, you know, here's the comic book. Right. And now here are the real people. And they were establishing gonna... that, you know, this is, this is we're doing this like a, a, a moving a, live action comic book. Yeah. You know. Which hadn't been done successfully really since Batman. Right. Which, I mean, and I think it like... was fairly rare. I mean, there were a few kind of campy. And I think the thing, I think they were confused a little bit at first about whether they were going to be campy or not. And right. I think Linda Carter just put the kibosh on that, like not on purpose even. Right. She just was so sincere and so genuine mm-hmm. that, she, that, like, it's like the campiness sort of just, she doesn't have the, um, that sort of self-aware humor that Adam West had, you know? Right. Like, she's just so... She's such a genuine, sincere person. Yeah. And she... So she just... Like, it's it's almost like they tried to do this campy thing and it just sort of fizzled out. Right, you know? right, right. And you can see that sort of evolve throughout the series, especially when it gets to... When it comes to modern day in the second and third season, which which is what Linda Carter preferred, I think partly because... It was so much more grounded in reality for her. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm, I was bummed about that. Like, I liked the, I liked that it was stylized. Mm-hmm. I liked that it took place in the past. You yeah, know, yeah. And you know, but after they leave Paradise Island, I, I, I was less interested in. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like, why, why do they never go back to Paradise Island? Yes. Well, you know, it turns out. So according to this, this. Um, breakdown of of episodes uh i think in episode five or six they go back like they they have a whole uh, a two-parter uh right there on fa- on on paradise island with I almost said fantasy sister island. yes mm-hmm. i think that was the first time that deborah winger shows up yeah uh like the first out of two times that we get to see her yeah, yeah. i mean that was always kind of for me but you know i I don't know. I was. I have always been fascinated by Greek mythology, and so, um, you know, I it was always kind of a bummer, and it's a bummer to me too in the newer movies that you know she doesn't. And part of the deal is is that she sort of she forsakes it in order to go live in the human world, you know. Right. Yeah. But the human world seems so dismal by comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will say, I'm, I I won't do this very often because I don't really know what I'm talking about, but but my understanding is that the comic books do take care of that problem. Like, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, on Paradise Island. Oh, really? Mascara. <sighs> yeah. I should read. The, I should. I'm not going to read them now, probably. But <laughs> I should have. It's read never them too late. When though. I was a kid, you know. <laughs> I yes. I mean, like I would like to believe that I would do that, but I I doubt that. Well, we'll you know, see. there's probably some like. We'll find that you somebody get. send us like a good like what's what's a good graphic novel? Yeah, like of, one that has a collection of the comic books all in one place. Yeah, yeah. So I can just go look for the Paradise Island sections. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So after this opening, this great animated opening, and you know what? I never looked up who like who's responsible for that artwork because that was mm. that was pretty cool. Like yeah. that was really good stuff. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. Very know, much been... in keeping with that 1940s style, like poster, like propaganda poster oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. That's very much in that style. Yeah. Right, right. Um, okay, so they, so then the first scene takes place at the top secret Nazi base, and it looks like a castle, but, uh, but no, it's a secret base. It, it's the, um, and they give a lot of exposition about. You know what? What the sort of MacGuffin is going to be about this episode? Like, like what we're after? Apparently, they're going to go. These Nazis are going to go bomb uh, a Brooklyn shipyard and the Norden bomb site, which I'm not sure exactly what that was, but there was a Hogan's Heroes episode about it too, so it must huh? be important. Like, and they were going to do this simultaneously, so that you know, it's like you you can. Sorry, I went a little dark in my brain, but it's kind of like nine eleven. You know, they attack three different locations, right? So right. that you know, all like the efforts to thwart it would be divided. Exactly. Or if one didn't succeed, another one would. Ugh. Yeah, I know it's horrible, yeah. but but that they do mention that later. Like, well, you can't you can't be in two places at right, one right, time. Right, so, right. so yeah, that's exactly it. They so use they're... that actually. They use that same uh, premise in Superman. Oh yeah, that's yeah, the right. Yeah, Christopher Reeve Superman. That's right, and uh, oh, it's Valerie Perrine saves the day. She saves Superman out of the out of the uh, the the, the oh, pool. Oh right, <laughs> Miss Miss Tessmacher. The Miss Tessmacher. Wait a minute, we've jumped tracks. Let's let's. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I just like I follow her. You just on... like Miss Tessmacher. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I admit it. That yes. I that she's memorable. Yes, I've remembered her all this year, well, all these years, and she, I'm following her on Twitter now because she's got Parkinson's now, and she's got a whole like she's she's like raising money and she's selling her old memorabilia and stuff, okay. and she's got, there's a documentary out wow about her, and and Ugh. she's a wonderful, interesting person. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so she she was on my mind when you mentioned that. Okay. So. Okay. Um. But anyway. Um, so this first scene is a good example of what we were talking about, like the balance of like sort of kitsch and, and yeah. like how campy it is. Yeah, yeah. Like this, this scene is really campy. And really it's got... campy. Like the guy who plays the head Nazi dude. Yes. So he that... is over the top. Right. Just like, just like Loris Leachman, like both of them are just <laughs> over the top. Yes. Um, so his name is Kenneth Mars. And he is, he's a very, like, he's a big uh, comedic actor. He was in The Producers, Young Frankenstein. He was in Fernwood Tonight. And uh, because I love MASH, I'm always going to mention MASH. He was, he, he did the voice work in this uh, animated series called Mush, which was, I remember watching <laughs> in the 70s. It was like a takeoff. It of was your... a takeoff on MASH, but it had to do with, it was like dogs. <laughs> dogs in in a some some northern uh military installation 
That's why it's called mush. Okay. So anyway, so that's Kenneth Mars, right? And and his 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 assistant uh, Nicholas is played by Henry Gibson, right? Uh, who You've comes seen from him in a million things? Yeah, like laughing, love American style, and he was the head Nazi in Blues Brothers, so he oh. kept his Nazi cred there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure he, you know, that's not exactly a claim to fame, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people knew him at right. the time from laughing and, yeah, you know, yeah, he was. And so those two guys are totally goofy. They're playing, I mean, they're doing a really good job of being quasi-serious, but completely comedic. Yes. By the way, though, I don't want to get too far along before I comment on... Um, this Mars dude, the guy who played the head Nazi, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being in Young Frankenstein with oh, with Igor Cloris Leachman. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went straight to Mash. I'm who, sorry. Who was Igor in it too? He had a bit part, yeah, but yeah. not as Igor. Jeff Maxwell did, yeah. He yeah. was he he was not. Wait, he was Igor... one of the med students. Yeah. Okay. Jeff but Maxwell who plays isn't there Igor, an Igor in Frankenstein. Yes, but that was um... <laughs> maybe <laughs> that was... that's why his name is Igor <laughs> on the show. Maybe like we've got some six degrees of. I know of, it's it's, uh... it's all so interconnected. Isn't Young it? Frankenstein going on here. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Cloris Leachman is the connection there, and that's yes. So both Kenneth Kenneth Mars and Cloris Leachman from uh, from. Young Frankenstein make it into and the guy who plays Igor in Mash, not not Igor in Young Frankenstein, because Igor in Young Frankenstein is, is Marty was Feldman, Marty Feldman, yeah. who it probably has a connection to Cloris Leachman, and you know who knows. Probably so, six degrees of you Cloris listeners Leachman. out there can write in and tell us what those connections are. Right. So um, so yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, but there's a third guy in this in this opening scene, and and he's. He's kind of with um, until until we see him later in this completely absurd uh, dogfight scene. Uh, he's absolutely every bit as serious as as. Um, Do you think he's Linda supposed Carter to is. be like he's supposed to be the Red Baron kind of yes. concept? Eric Braden, who is a German guy, um, like he's played a lot of German soldiers. So maybe that's why he didn't want it to be campy. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I don't I mean he's and he's been in a ton of stuff. So we get all that exposition so we know what's going to happen. And then uh we go to Washington DC and we see I mean it's amazing how much you just hear the music in your head when you you think like the transition from scene to scene and Exactly. Yeah. And it's just imprinted. <laughs> And and they have the little caption just like you would in a comic books saying where you are, mm-hmm. you know we're now in Washington D.C. So the general, uh, General Blankenship, and and Stella Stevens who is who is um, who Steve that, Trevor's current right that blonde Nazi lady right and but she, she's a secret like undercover agent yeah and I what's interesting about Stella Stevens is that. You think she's doing the same campy thing that that uh, General Blankenship is obviously doing the same as the same as Kenneth Mars. Uh, General Blankenship, by the way, is John Randolph. Um, he's going to be replaced when they do the regular series, but but in the pilot, it's John Randolph, uh, and he has been in Mash, 
Uh, so I want to mention that. Of course, of right? Course. It's like the law and order of its day, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every actor was given a job. Yes, he was. So he was General Haggerty and Too Many Cooks, which also had Ed Begley, who will later be a guest, I believe, on Wonder Woman. Nice. Um, and uh, and he's got credits all the way from 1949 to 2003. Like he's just been in TV and movies forever. And and has he passed away? Uh, I didn't write that down. Oh, I don't okay. know. I, I, he I might have just retired. Yeah, yeah. It's very possible. But I mean, 2003 is now 20 years ago, so oh he's my probably gosh. passed by now. Time keeps on slipping. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, so, so John Randolph is the general, and he's camping it up, just like, uh, you know, just like those other guys. And, and Stella Stevens is camping it up big time. But the interesting thing is when she later on reveals herself to be a Nazi, spoiler alert, um, when she's a Nazi, she's totally serious. Mm. You know, like, maybe she, there's a little degree of camp there, but it's like her campiness that you see in this scene is is more like she's the Nazi play-acting a goofy American. Yeah, I see that. But, like, I don't see that she or the guy who played the general are as campy as yeah. Kenneth Mars. Kenneth Mars and Cloris Leachman, to me, are the, like, the two most over-the-top, like, but... Yeah. You know... That's true, yeah. But they're also, I mean, those two are probably the most, but, the biggest but I, and most. But I do hear you, yeah, that they're, that they are, you know, they're playing a broad thing, uh-huh. you know, and then Linda Carter comes along and it's just so... I know. You know, and she, she says in the commentary, she talks about how she had been studying for, a, a, you know, a couple of years at that point. I mean, she's only like, what, 22 or 23. Right, yeah. So she'd been studying acting for a couple of years, and I'm sure that all of her teachers, especially at that time, mm-hmm. you know, were absolutely just talking about being as real and natural as possible, and... You know, I mean, you're not going to get her to not do that. Like, she's just spent two or three years studying to learn how to do that. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting how everybody has a different degree of camp. Yeah, and that's for, that's the fault of the director. Yeah, because they didn't all get the same memo. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had trouble when I was thinking uh, from that perspective. I was having trouble sort of pegging where Steve Trevor falls because, like, when he does scenes with the, the general, yeah. he's kind of just as goofy as the general. Yeah, but when he's with Linda Carter, he's more genuine. Yeah. Right. Which he is seems a, to adapt depending on who he's in the scene with, which is understandable. Yeah. You know, we just saw we just saw this the beginning of this Leonard Nimoy documentary, mm-hmm. if you remember, and and he was talking about he was talking about how it was different playing uh, with um, you know playing scenes with. Um, Captain Pike. With Captain Pike, I can't remember. As his opposed name. to William Shatner. Exactly, exactly. And they like they were two different actors, and so it was easy for him. You know, he talked about in terms of filling the gaps and 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 playing to, you know, sort of playing opposite of them and complementary yeah. to them, and and it, so it made a different Spock when William Shatner, who was so much more exuberant and and uh, had had a sense of humor and yeah. and you know. He was just more outgoing, and so it allowed Spock to be more conservative oh, and more yeah, yeah. quieter. So, so, and you can see, uh, 
the different ways that what's his Lyle name? Wagner. Lyle Wagner. I mean, Lyle Wagner had been on the Carol Burnett show by that time, hadn't he? Right, exactly. So, like, he knew how to like how he, to play yeah, and, I mean, he, and improvise and and he adjust was a himself. Seasoned the professional. I mean, yeah. being on a show like the Carol Burnett show, I mean, that will that's boot camp for any actor. Right. You know, right. like. Not only learning how to be funny, but, I mean, you know, he had to play the straight guy most of the time. Right, right. You know? So, and he, like, he was one of those rare birds that was so handsome Mm -hmm. and just, he used his handsomeness to his own purpose. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't expect attention for his handsomeness. Right, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. He used it for for comedy and he used it for effect, but he didn't. He didn't use it for attention, I guess. True. Well, I think, I mean, I think you could say that about Linda Carter, too. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in, <laughs> ridiculously beautiful, but yeah. she, like, you know, she's got other, an, another agenda when she's playing her character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's not sitting there posing. I think sometimes she's... she might have been a little embarrassed by how oh, yeah. beautiful she was. <laughs> like, you know, the, the attention that you get for that instead of for everything else you have to offer. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't really say, I, I mentioned Stella Stevens' name, but I didn't really talk about her characters. She was in the Poseidon Adventure with Red Buttons, who, who shows up later in the episode. Oh, yeah. And, and she also was in, uh, she was in a couple of Elvis movies, like Girls, 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 and she was in Lil Abner <laughs> with, with Catwoman. Oh my gosh. So anyway, Steve shows up in this first scene and we see, you know, we see sort of the interplay and the campiness. Uh, Stella Stevens is is totally, you know, she's like playing the flirty secretary. And, and it's never clear because of the way that Steve responds. I'm never really sure if something's happened between him and his secretary, Marsha. Or if I I think it's implied that there's a relationship there because later yeah. on when he's you know drugged up, she's like everybody shut up. Her. No, she's like everybody shut up. He you know just listen to my voice, Steve. Like yeah. as if she knows that he loves her or thinks that. But by that time, of course, he's in oh, love with Wonder he's Woman. Already in love with he's Wonder Matt, Woman. Wonder Woman and. <laughs> Who could ever compare? Exactly, exactly. It runs around in her bathing suit. <laughs> so speaking of which, now we're in, uh, by gosh, we're we're at Paradise Island. And Yay! <laughs> the best part. Yes, and and so there's... Uh, there's all these colorful, gauzy dresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Diana and her friend, whose name I didn't catch... Uh, <laughs> are, are running along the beach for no particular reason, and I know and just just running just... with their hair bouncing and all their bits bouncing, <laughs> and they encounter a, a thing on the on the, like, the beach. I think it's I think... a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Diana even says, "I think it's a parachute." Like she she's she knows what a parachute, know what a parachute because she's educated and. Parachutes have been. I mean, Leonardo invented a a parachute, so you know they've been around. Okay, okay. I mean, they didn't have things to jump out of necessarily, but they've been around. I'm, I'm, I am, I will go with you. Okay, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but anyway, so, so they, yeah, so they, they say, oh, this is a 
a man, and and right. we better get him we to better, the doctor. And then she picks him up, and it's obviously like a stuffed cloth <laughs> dummy. And she's running along the beach with her little bare feet, looking yeah. like a Barbie doll. Yeah. I mean, in the bed. I mean, she's beautiful, mm. you know. But she's also got she's these perf- perfect little beautiful Barbie doll feet, right. running barefoot on the beach with this like dummy in her arms, because <laughs> she's supposed to be able to pick him up, and it's just going flop, 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 flop. <laughs> <laughs> so. I um, love it. Yeah, and and but. But here's, here's something to remember, and you remember this too with, like Star Trek and stuff too. Yes. Like, there were no big screen TVs. Right. You know, yeah. like TV screens were not huge, and usually they were on the other side of the room. Yeah. Right, and so, like, you could get away with stuff, mm-hmm. like for example, Loretta Swit pretending to knit. By just moving knitting needles up and down, you know, yes, yes. or like Spock holding a dog in some kind of furry alien costume, like <laughs> things that you know you can you can't quite see, or like the the stunt double fighting oh, in right. Captain Kirk's fight or whatever. Yeah. So like the the but it would have been nice if they could have waited the feet of the dummy or something because the, <laughs> the legs just go floppity flop and it doesn't go on long but it is a little embarrassing yes yes well they there are what's interesting about this show is that there are, there's some stuff they spent money on and there's some stuff they cut corners yeah on. well you can't blame them for that i mentioned this out of sequence because i i looked at it on my notes and i thought well we can't be that far yet yeah it's the dog fight between eric braden and and um and God, I keep wanting to say Steve Lawrence. No, this is where we are because, like, he—that's what happens for Steve to fall to Paradise Island. Exactly. Right. And I don't know why I didn't put that together in right. my head, this, but I'm like, this like this Red Baron dogfight. Yeah. So you know? Lyle Wagner and and Eric Braden are doing their dogfight, and this is where they cut corners, in my opinion, <laughs> right? Because because like they they start this fight, and all you get. Because they obviously didn't want to show a lot of exterior stuff. Right. And their little plane sets were obviously not complete because yeah. you didn't see much of it. It was just extreme close-ups yep. of them sort of laughing at each other and, like, and making a, a mean of, face. And like, B-roll. <laughs> yeah. And then they have, like, a fight in their parachutes. Exactly. And it's, is, like, really bad green screen. I like, know. And they're, like, trying to swing around to, like, shoot each other and stuff. I don't know. The whole thing is a... Yeah. It's a little... Like, it's... As far as... I don't know. The spirit of the show, which is very adventurous, it was... It just needed a little more money in this section. I like don't they, know. I mean, like, you know, for the time, for what they were doing, for what they had. I mean, it was an actual action sequence. That's true. You're right. You know. You're right. I mean... I don't want to... You're, you're right. I don't want to sit here and, like, put down the show. Yeah, I mean, we're so used to... Like higher quality effects now, but like in the time, you know, yeah, it was all very much Ed Wood. It was like <laughs> it'll be good. Nobody will notice. We'll hang him up in front of a green screen, right. and that's that. Yeah, yeah. and and they uh, they did imply that um, Eric Braden gets eaten by sharks, mm. which is unfortunate. <laughs> well, he was a Nazi. Well, that's true. He was a Nazi. He seemed like a nice guy, but he was a Nazi. No, I'm sure the actor was a nice guy, <laughs> right. but it, Nazis are not nice. No, you're you're correct. So so he got what he deserved, and Steve 
uh, got winged by a bullet and then washed up on Paradise Island. I mean, here's the the gentleman in distress. Yes. Which is a rare occurrence, or used to be. I mean, uh-huh. now it happens a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in the stuff I read and the stuff I watch. Right, right. You know, but at the time, it was a really rare occurrence. And this was original. This original concept happened in the, what, the 30s or the 40s? When did Wonder Woman first come out? 42. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that is a big freaking deal, mm-hmm. you know? Instead of the damsel in distress, it is the man. And yeah. he's a soldier. Yeah. The man is in distress. I know. And that's huge. And and uh, and Lyle Wagner was able to play that like with just the right. Yeah. I mean, he there, it never it never infringed on his masculinity. It right. never. In I mean, it was you know. I mean, we're partners in this world. Yeah. And sometimes men need women, and sometimes women need men. Mm. You know. Well said. Uh, so, so Steve washes up on Paradise Island. There's Barbie running happening, and then <laughs> yes, Barbie running. Then, we should we should call it that the Barbie running with yes. her with her perfect little Barbie feet. Yes. And so then she gets she gets Steve to the doctor, and there's so there's a discussion. We we get a scene with. Um, uh, with the great and wonderful, the legendary Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman. Why is she not on my list here? I don't know. Like, I've... but she is like one of the best things about this this pilot. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, is that she's over the top with her campy humor. She is, which is what is like her forte. She won an Emmy. Yeah. On Mary Tyler Moore for this campy humor, this exact same style yeah, of beautiful yeah. camp. I mean, she's brilliant. Yes. She's brilliant. And, I mean, until the day she died, she seemed ageless. She was amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. And, I, you know, Linda Carter and the guy, the producer. that Douglas Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. They talk about, like... How amazing it was to have Cloris Leachman. Yeah, she was you know? she was really big right then. And, but she and Linda Carter were like they were in two different movies. Yeah, you and, know? which is hard to see in the same scene. But yeah. and yet it worked for me. I mean, because well, Cloris Leachman. Here's the thing about the Cloris Leachman. As big as she was and as campy as she was, it was the the what she chose as the sort of direction of it was a very reserved. Like, all that weird energy was, like, she was clinging to. She was being queenly. Yeah. 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 So she was, like, holding tight on the, uh, you know, like, her her hatred and desperate need right. for men, for example. You know, which is really funny. Like, she talks about, you know, how like, brutal they are. And then she kind of bites her fist, like, ooh, I miss that. Or whatever, you know. So she still holds it back enough to play the scene with Linda Carter, I think. You know, on on sort of the same ground. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Linda Carter, like, she, without without intending to, comes into this thing with her, you know, actor's studio, like, training that she had been having of this simple, direct, sincere quality, which is just inherent to her also. Mm -hmm. And... 
slowly over the course of the thing, she, it, it's like it infuses everyone around her. Yeah. So even Cloris Leachman yeah. gets more sincere and more real by the end of the pilot. She does, yeah, you absolutely. Know? As the scenes go on. Yeah. Yeah, like you can see, in this first scene, you can see, you know, like the gags that she prepared. Yeah, yeah. And But by the end, when she, when she you know, talks to her daughter after the big competition, right, right. it's so honest. And yeah, so... and, and I just think that that's what ended up with this whole show, is that Linda Carter sort of, she ended up sort of infusing the whole show with that quality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we also see in this first scene Fanny Flagg, who's playing the doctor. Yeah. And um, she was big back then. I knew her from Match Game. I used to watch Match <laughs> Game all the time. Yeah. And like these, there were these people like Fanny Flagg and Charles, Charles Nelson Riley. I didn't know where they came from, but I thought they were awesome. Yeah. You know, Charles Nelson Riley, I think, was a big uh, Broadway guy. He did some TV stuff, but he was a big director and... And he was like a, a real flamboyant personality. Do you remember him? You're looking at me like you maybe. I'm don't sorry. No, him. my brain, my brain, my brain drifted because I was thinking about how Peter Hedges, who wrote "What's Eating Gilbert Grape," oh, uh, among other things, uh-huh. um, he um, he loved Fanny Flagg. Mm-hmm. He just loved her as this like sincere, honest actor. You know. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. Please continue. No, yeah, and she was she was all around. Like she was, um, she was a writer from way back. Like she started as one of the few women's writers, I think, in in television. Wow. And and uh, but she was also a performer. Yeah. And she wound up being uh, becoming an author, and okay. uh, she wrote Fried Green Tomatoes. And uh, let's see. I did else. not know that. Yeah. Um, she was. Oh, she was in Greece. Yeah, that's right. And. Uh, um, was she Love the America principal? Style. She was no. She was the. Uh, I believe she was the assistant. The assistant the principal. principal. I like remember. The, yeah. The goofball. Who, yeah. Like, she played the the notes. Yeah. And we are we are deeply programmed. Yes. Yes. So anyway, she so she and she and she plays that doctor pretty straight. You know, speaking of all that. You know, camp and the level of camp that everyone's playing. Well, this she, is exactly what I'm saying. Is that, yeah. like you know, she's got this you know honesty about her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Diana wants to take care of this soldier, and and her mother is like, "No, we got to get rid of him. Men are trouble. You know, yeah. whatever the conflict is, whatever the problem is, that's their problem, not yeah. ours." And, yeah, and, and she also, I think, is worried about the sanctity of Paradise Island. They bring war, and they bring harm you know and i'm not saying that's what i think i'm saying that that's that sort of amazonian concept right 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 right. yeah i have such a fascination with greek mythology right right you know and what's interesting is like the so hippolyta's um you know attitude about that is you can't argue with it she's right and and which one is hippolyta uh, uh the queen she's hippolyta that's her name in the show. What? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't never made that connection. Yeah. Speaking, by the way, of Hippolyta, yeah. do you know Hippolyta is a character in A Midsummer Night's Dream? She's been captured by Theseus. That's right. Yeah. yeah. See, and this is like Hippolyta's worry. Mm-hmm. You know, but she was the queen of the Amazons. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. 
Like, do you see the light bulb over my head? I see it. Yeah. It's trippy. So, There's also this amazing book called Phaedra, a novel of Athens that I read years ago that is uh, partly about Hippolyta. And I've read another book about Hippolyta, too. Wow. It's cool. So her argument is, is sane and makes sense. But Diana, once again, is approaching it with intelligent compassion. Right. You know, like, and so, which is kind of progressive. Well, here's the thing. She's, she has compassion. She has curiosity. Mm-hmm. But she also just thinks he's, thinks, thinks he's cute. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's, she. And she's falling in love with him. Yeah. Like she's, she's but, like, you know, I, yeah, mother, I would like to study this human man. <laughs> you know, yes. and her mother is not fooled. Right, right. One bit. But she's like, no, my my interest is purely intellectual. <laughs> you know, but there's handsome Lyle Wagner. Yes, of course. You of know. course. So um so let's jump scenes because I'm I'm getting bogged down, I think, in these well, I guess we're you no, know, no, no, as we're as we go we're talking about the actors and yes. stuff like that. So And we're covering some of the later scenes. In That's our discussion true. as well. Yeah. You know, Steve makes a, a a reasonable argument, you know, he because Diana questions him, like, who are these Nazis? What are you fighting? What's going on? And he's like, you know, they're evil and they threaten the entire world. They're yeah. not just us. Yeah. yeah. And so Diana, I think, you know, understands that that means Paradise Island is at risk too. And so... And yet it probably isn't. Well, you probably know. not, but but it's interesting. In, I think that in um, in the movie, mm-hmm. Paradise Island is at risk because they're concerned about Mars coming for them. You know, right. finding them and coming for them. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of cool, like how true to that origin story both this pilot and the Gal Gadot movie are. Yeah. Well, know? and I will say. Um, this two-parter that's coming up with um, with Deborah Winger, the the, yeah. the femium femium femium, I don't remember the, <laughs> but it's like it's a, like a special, you know, it's like vibranium, but it's a special element that they have on Paradise mm-hmm. Island, mm-hmm. and the Nazis come for it, so oh. they're in danger too. You know, yeah. I mean that's that's one example of how right. the Nazis can, and that's one thing that they handle well, I think, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that there is an actual danger because they actually do they make it through the mist barrier, right? And they right. attack, yeah. And Amazons die, yeah. You know, in the battle, yeah. So it the it is it it's one it's a situation kind of like the Lord of the Rings where it's like this this is not some faraway threat. This threatens all of us kind exactly. of situation. Yeah, you know? and. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole with that, too, because, like, that's, in a way, that is an argument that's used for war a lot. And it's sometimes true and it's sometimes not. Yeah. You know, it was it was the argument they used for uh, Vietnam. Yeah. And and it turned out to be that's that's not at all what was happening. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a very interesting point of view. Uh, But it is what in this case, it is what gets Diana interested and she wants to go back with Steve and um, what they I'm going out of order here uh, but but what what Hippolyta decides is that somebody should take him back 
Somebody should go back with him. Yeah. And so, but she doesn't want it to be Diana. Right. And so, right. So she, she creates this contest. Yes. And Diana's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll go study somewhere. And I don't remember what she says, but she's right. like, I'll disappear and you have your contest and that'll right. be fine. So she puts on a blonde <laughs> wig and a mask. They yes. all compete masked for some weird reason. Yeah. To, you know. There's a couple of, yeah, they come up with a couple of like weird. Uh, sort of the mask is weird and I don't know and the bullets is always weird to me like, like yeah like bullets and bracelets like <laughs> why do they have bullets yeah. on Paradise Island but you know they had to introduce this concept exactly and Which they introduced great. the concept of the the belt and the crown and the lasso yeah. and all of that so yeah but I, you know, in the commentary, Linda Carter was talking about how, like, they had this slow, like, this whole thing with this slow motion race. Yeah. And Linda Carter was like, she's so embarrassed mm. by the way, you know, she was bouncing around, and the producer was like, and a star is born, you know, like <laughs> know. he's like, that you know, that's that's the cheddar. That's what we wanted. I know. Even with like as gracious as she was with Douglas Kramer. Yeah. He still had some of that kind of producery like stuff. Smarty like smarty thing where he's yeah, like, like, yeah, well, that's what we wanted. That's why we put it under everything. Was yeah. you running in slow motion. Yeah. I mean, we, I, why did we put slow motion running in a lot of this show? <laughs> Right? Why did we? Yeah. But, I mean, in spite of that, like, a lot of those sequences looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure. And it's sure. like the Olympics. It's the Greek Games. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I think Kramer, you know, commented that we were just hiring people for their looks. But I I think there were some athletes in there. Like, I think there was pe- there were people who, like, seemed like they knew what they were doing. Like Probably, yeah, like you know, Javelin and the shot put and, yeah, all of that, yeah. So I, I think Central Casting or whoever, you know, <laughs> did a good job. Right. Because they were all, I mean, they were all beautiful women, but, but there seemed to be a lot of athleticism going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I've, I thought it was a really good and sequence. And again, that, at the, especially at the time, was sort of the... That was the the province of men, like this um, yeah. this idea of uh, you know the athletic games, the Olympic games. Mm-hmm. I mean, there did not used to be as many women in the Olympic games as there are now, you right. know. Right. And so the, the the idea that the women were doing these athletic things was more yeah. progressive. Yeah. It, it, even though it doesn't seem like it, you know, because they're wearing their little... And, you know, I mean, of course, like, I really liked... I liked all the dresses. I liked the colors. I liked the gauzy, flowy things and mm-hmm. Cloris Leachman's headdresses. And I liked those little white school uniforms or whatever the heck they were wearing <laughs> in their little Olympic games. Yeah, with but their like, Roman numerals on them. Right. So yeah. they they made it feminine, but they... But it was, I mean, at the time, I mean, we're talking about this is like 50 years ago now, you guys. Yeah. Half a century ago. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I digress. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so, yeah. So, it was a really cool sequence. And like we said, it, you know, it ended, you know, it was like Cloris Leachman wasn't even surprised that that was Diana, you know? I mean, I think she she was and she did play like... Oh my God, that's my daughter. But yeah. but it didn't take her long to recover. Like, 
you know, like she said, I would have expected no less. You well, know? exactly. Like, so, yeah. In a way, maybe she was wondering during the competition, is is my daughter really away or is she here somewhere? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was a really moving little moment there. And she, she gives her all the gear, the lasso and the belt. And and they establish, um, you know, I think, I think it's important for especially those of us who weren't following the comics, you know, to understand that the belt does this and that right. and oh, the yeah, lasso yeah. does this yeah, and that. Yeah, you've got to explain all that. Yeah, and she's got the bracelets. Obviously, they, they show how the bracelets are important. Right, right. And so, and then um, they cut to... Well, I don't know if they cut to because we're totally going out of order. But let's just stay on Paradise Island. So, so then they go to the Wonder Woman costume, right? Yes. Like, so she's got the belt and the and the lasso and everything, and and she has this beautiful costume, right? This iconic yeah. Yeah. costume created by. Let's talk about this this guy, Bob Mackey. It's one name. No, it's not Bob Mackey. It's not, it's not Bob Bob Mackey, but he probably knew him. He did everything at that time. It seemed like. I can't believe I don't have his name written down. Uh, Don Feld. I got that out of my memory. Can you nice. believe it? Well done. <laughs> anyway. So, like, the one who created the original costume he, in the comic book in the 40s, or... No, this was... Don Feld was a, a costume designer in the 70s, and he was tasked with, you know, taking this, this costume from the comic books and bringing it to life. Yeah. And, and I know that there are subtle uh, differences in the... You know the different seasons; they they modify the costume. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, but this this is the first one, and yeah. and like, sort of as a nod to the uh, comic books, there's a skirt. Yeah. And she takes it off immediately. And immediately, like, and you never see it again. <laughs> exactly. Although later you you do see like like a scuba outfit and and like a like white pants like. <laughs> Yes. Um, motorcycle outfit. There's but, all kinds of different, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I honestly, I was sad about that. What, I just sad about losing I'm the skirt. Sad about losing the skirt. I liked yeah. the skirt. I liked that they made like a an effort to put sort of a skirt in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there is something wonderfully like. There's something wonderful about her being feminine and strong. Yeah. Feminine and powerful. Right. You know? Right. And this this whatever bathing beauty costume, it, like, you know, this is the bathing suit competition portion of the show or whatever. Right, right. That just shows more. It, to me, always just looks like she... She just always looks a little like wrong to be rock, walking around in the world, you know. Yeah. And and what I would say, like as uh, you know, like as a male being a typical male, like I don't see the difference between like why can't she have the skirt? You know, like her legs are beautiful. You sh- they're showing right. her legs. They wanted to show more of her legs and more of her butt and more of I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. And honestly, I might I might truly be in the minority here. Yeah. Like m- people might think, well, it's somehow more liberating for her not to have the skirt. But I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, the like, here's the thing about feminism. Feminism is complicated, right? Feminism is about equality. It's about s- strength. But it's also about like, allow it being allowed to be 
feminine mm-hmm. and still be equal and still be strong. Right. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. so uh, I, I just, I really loved that the Gal Gadot thing outfit had a little bit of a skirt. I think, yeah. you know, unless you're literally going to the beach, I think most women would prefer to have a little something covering up all their bits. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, I think it you're might right. just be me. But like, I don't know. It just seems like whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I'm I, I, I'm still sad because mm. then she has this like weird diaper thing going on with this like yeah. there's something bunchy and diapery about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because they have to. I I think they have to give it some like. I don't know, construction to, to keep it, you know. It's like, all got to stay in place, right? right. She's got to run and stuff exactly. and fight. Yeah, so that makes it kind of She bunchy. always just seems like mostly naked to me, and it's just yeah. so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the skirt would have, like, been... They should have kept the skirt, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, this, I guess, has been an ongoing battle. Back when they were trying to create the reboot, you know, mm-hmm. I think they they went through all of these different costume ideas. Right. You know, but what do you do? You put her in like leggings or capri pants or like what do you do so you're not exploiting her, but also she has freedom of movement and all of that. Yeah. You know, and it is complicated and it is difficult and in you know, I mean, this was not that long after the debut of the bikini. You know, right? I right. mean, they didn't put her in a bikini. <laughs> I mean, at least, but like, what I like is not knowing what the important sort of conversation topics are going to come up and grab us. Hey, let me ask you this: I wasn't going to talk about her skirt. <laughs> of the Wonder Women that you see cosplaying, because that's one of the focuses of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. How many have skirts and how many don't? Most of them have skirts. Like, they almost a, all have skirts, a right? A lot of them, even the... Well, here's the thing. I what, what I see just in a very basic observation, and I could be totally wrong about this, and I would like to hear back from, you know, people who have opinions about it. Yeah. My, my observation is that there is definitely a desire to celebrate the... Um, Linda Carter version of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But the Gal Gadot costume is so much more um I think I think it feels not only more comfortable and flattering but but like It's just um, cooler. It's cooler and it yeah. feels more battle ready, I yeah, guess is what it I does. Want to it say. looks more like armor. Yeah. As opposed to like a bathing beauty costume. And I, and I think that's you know, that's or that's a, a result of pageant like, costume, yeah. Yeah. I think they specifically like were going for that when they did the movie. Like yeah. this needs to look more like you know, there were a lot of comparisons to Xena's costume. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't think, you know, I mean people were saying like they stole it. I don't think that's true. I think oh. I think that's you know, it's a it's a classic look. Right. And But again, she's still mostly naked, but at least it looks <laughs> yeah. like, you know, her vital organs have some protection. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so so I do think uh yeah, I my observation is that cosplayers, even though they, they love the original Linda Carter portrayal yeah. of Wonder Woman, yeah. as far as choosing a costume the the Gal Gadot costume is just is is cooler and more or the like I I mean I see a lot of I see a lot of like 1940s style with the skirt I see yeah. those 
yeah, you know, in the cosplays. Too, yeah. And I see those for little girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just seems more decent. Yeah. You know, like, and I say decent in a way that it's not like prudish. It's like, it's, you know, it's your prerogative as a woman to, to still be beautiful and be, you know, to have some kind of cover. Right, on, right. As opposed to being just, um, you know, exploited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know. I would be, I would be very interested to hear, like, or have a poll or something. Mm-hmm. Like, d- is the skirt or the non-skirt, you know, skirt or no skirt right. for Wonder Woman? Yeah. You know? And there are there are interesting variations uh, on the costume. There's there's one called the bombshell, which I didn't really know that much about. Um, but one of my other uh, interviews uh, talked about this. Yeah, that it's and it's it's sort of like I, I don't remember where it comes from. It's somewhere in the comic book series, you know, like and it's like a Rosie the Riveter kind of. It's more plain in a way, like it's a shirt mm-hmm. and slacks, you know. Okay, okay, um, not dissimilar to what she did in that one episode with Roy Rogers, you know, like where she had slacks on, Mm. but, um, but it's a very specific, uh, costume, which is like completely different than the bathing suit and the, the armor from, from the, the new movie. So, Uh uh um, so that's a cool costume as well. Go in peace, my daughter. And remember it. That in the world of ordinary mortals, you're a wonder woman. I will make you proud of me. And of Wonder Woman. Okay, so I do want to mention that we may sound a little bit different starting here because I had to change the audio setup. We used to be sitting across from each other at a, at a, a table and our, what was happening was our microphones were picking up the other person's room echo. And so it didn't sound good. I didn't like it. So now we're zooming in the same house. Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> All right. So hopefully this zoom recording will, turn out better because this is actually going to be the way the um the rest of these interviews are going to go on zoom so so this is more like the audio you're going to get on a more regular basis here on this here podcast here (laughs) okay so we were just talking about wonder woman uh making her her costumes first appearance in in the in the palace and uh, it's also the first time that uh, Wonder Woman's name is uttered as as Wonder Woman rather than Diana. Right. Uh, Cloris Leachman says it. And and then a few moments later, Linda Carter says it. She says you will be a, a Wonder Woman among among humans or something. Yes. Like yeah. And so the next scene is her taking the invisible jet she lands the plane and she immediately runs Steve over to a hospital, like a VA. And, uh, and she runs him. She's like carrying him running across the, the front lawn. And then the, uh, into the, uh, the receiving area. And, you know, everyone's looking at her because 
she's dressed strangely and carrying a man. Yep. And the, the, the nurse greets her. And then she immediately says, you know, take this guy. This is major Steve Trevor. So take good care of him. And she hands him off to a couple of, uh, I guess they're doctors. Uh, one of them, is that, I mean, they don't really make it clear whether they're orderlies or doctors or somewhere in between, oh, I see. Uh, okay. but it's two men. Uh, she puts him on a gurney and one of them is. Will oh, it mess up your podcast if the cat is purring into my microphone? I don't think so. I think it can only add to it. Okay. Gregory Harrison. So Gregory Harrison is one of these doctors, right? And okay. of course he is, um, he actually has two MASH connections. He is, he was uh, a guest. He had made a guest appearance on MASH as a visiting soldier. His wife, Linda Kelsey was one of the nurses. And this was in an episode called the nurses where Margaret has a big fight with all the nurses. And then she's got a, uh, sleep in their tent and Gregory Harrison is, is snuck into her tent and uh, it's lit. It's his and Linda Kelsey's anniversary or something. Or, it's the honeymoon. Hun- I wanted to say, anyway, I'm sorry. You're talking about mash and not wonder woman. So <laughs> let's, uh, I got carried away. So, <laughs> so he's got, he's, he's got that appearance on mash. And he also plays Gonzo Gates in Trapper John MD, okay. which is a later mash spinoff. Quote, unquote. And so, and he gets one line. This is obviously one of his earlier gigs. I don't know if he's even credited, but um, he gets his one line. And then Wonder Woman's trying to leave. And this nurse says, well, you got to fill out a bunch of forms. And she's like, ah, forget it. And, and takes off. So in the meantime, General Blankenship and Marsha are excited that Steve is alive and well. And, you know, Blankenship tells Marsha that uh, some woman in a red, white, and blue costume brought him in. And so she goes to her little office and makes a, a phone call to somebody. And, you know, her demeanor immediately changes. And she, you know, says in her spy voice, you know, there's, there's some woman that saved Steve. We have to find her and stop her. So she tells this mystery person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to go after Wonder Woman. So then the next shot is this fantastic little sequence where Wonder Woman is walking down. It's it's obviously it's not quite an exterior shot. Like it's 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 meant to look like an an exterior, but it's in a a soundstage. Uh-huh. Um, but it's an it's a nice looking street, you know, like it's one it may be a back lot. I don't know. It just there's something about the lighting that looks like interior lighting to me, but mm-hmm. but maybe it's a back lot or something. But anyway, it's it's Wonder Woman. Now that she's dropped Steve off, she doesn't know what to do with herself. So she's just walking down the street. She just goes wandering. Yeah. <laughs> and she's in, you know, and all the sailors are like looking at her, and one of them whistles at her, and you know, there you get to sort of see the fish out of water. Uh, with Wonder Woman just walking down the avenue. And she really does look like a fish out of water. I mean, she, she's just wandering around in her red, white, and blue bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she and she's, uh, you know, a, a store catches her eye. There's um, some women's uh, ladies fashion. And so she goes in and this lady, you know, says, I, I think what you're looking is fantastic, but I've got a, I've got a dress that'll suit your figure. 
and uh and she shows her address and wonder woman's like well thank you and tries to walk off with the dress without paying right and and this lady's like hey lady go con somebody else yeah so and then she sees a bank robbery in progress and obviously she knows what guns are and she she stops a car by lifting the back yeah which makes right? me which think by the way like that's the first really striking wonder woman how strong wonder woman is kind of moment you know that's true yeah you know? she lifts but, up that car yeah i mean you know you see these things that happen on paradise island in the you know the the games but in terms of how she her strength in the mortal world you know the first thing you see is she can lift a car yeah you know yeah. first you know you thought she could lift a oh, man but no she can actually lift a car yeah you know so then you start to really see you know and that's a very kind of superman thing you know like a superman on his planet is just normal and mm-hmm. then he comes to earth and he's got the superpowers you know right right yeah it's never it's never clear to me i guess it's they they make a choice i'm sure and there's probably you know rules about this in the comic book but it's never clear to me if she's um superpowered on paradise island i mean i guess she is because she carried steve from the beach but i don't think they're superpowered they're just they're just strong strong yeah okay you know and i think it's interesting i think the gal gadot version they they make it sort of more clear that she's this demigoddess or whatever yeah um and i think the idea originally and and for the linda carter one is that they're amazons and amazons are you know purported to be mythologically you know this, these mid- mythological humans they're humans but they're super strong mm-hmm. and so she doesn't seem to have the kind of superhuman magical power that Gal Gadot has, you know? Right, She's right. really super strong. So, and we do see it in this series when, when her, like when her belt is taken away. Certainly when she's Diana Prince, she's susceptible to gas, you know, like she gets knocked out with gas or, yeah, she, and you know, stuff happens. I thought of that, yeah. Yeah, so they they do make a, a distinction between if she's not in her Wonder Woman outfit, she's just a human being. Yeah, I in never this heard show. That before, and that kind of doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, like that this this regalia that she wears is the source of her power and her strength. Uh, I'm not sure I like that. Well, I don't. I'm not crazy about it either. <laughs> I mean, it's too late. For me to make them change it now. <laughs> well, I th- I think what it allows them to do it in a way it it, it gives her a week it gives her some kryptonite you know that's, like that's true like they've got to have some kind of and, and that's just from a like a storytelling standpoint which I think you're absolutely right that um they needed they needed a way for her to be you know to have some weaknesses right because all her I mean if you look at the series as a whole. All her uh, nemeses are basically human, with a few exceptions. I mean, there are some aliens and a, a gorilla, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a Sasquatch, right? So, so 
for the but for the most part, you know, she's fighting humans, and so yeah. it's really not even Stephen unless unless they give her a little bit more weakness and a little bit more sort of an Achilles heel. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's that's my theory anyway, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. No, I think you're right. So, and I got to tell you, I'm trying trying hard to to go faster through this outline of the show because i don't think we need all the details but but this is an interesting sequence because she uh what i was going to say about her lifting the car is it kind of shows that she knows how a a car works that it's the rear axle that makes it go because she just lifts up the rear wheels i don't know know, stan i mean you think think she's just grabbing it and just grabbed it okay all right in my opinion I'm over. I'm overthinking it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, she foils the robbery. They shoot yeah. at her. And by the way, these robbers and the cop that shows up are such kind of cartoon wow. characters. Yes, it's like, hey, lady, yeah, what are you doing here? You know. And he wants yeah. her to fill out forms too. And she's like, forget it, man. They rob the bank, and I'm supposed to fill out the forms. No way. I know she's she's the the ultimate like vigilante. She just doesn't yeah. want to follow any of those rules. She would and... not make a good cop. Too much paperwork. <laughs> um, yes, but yeah, I mean, I think that really that whole sequence is very much in the style of the Batman or Dick Tracy or any of those ones where you've got all these low level criminals that can help you show what the hero can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they do it not just for the audience, but for, uh, but our beloved red buttons who shows up. And then (laughs) the arrival of dear red button. Yeah. And so (laughs) he's fantastic. He's not such a great person as the character is not such a great person, but yes, yes. He's, He's kind of uh, apparently he's like a sleazy theatrical producer and he sees what she can do. And he's like super excited about it. Let me just talk yeah. about red buttons. He's uh, uh, he had a show, the red buttons show in the fifties. And of course he was in the Poseidon adventure along with Stella Stevens. Oh, okay. I, um, I don't, I don't know if they had scenes to, I mean, after a while, you know, there was a small group that moved their way through the ship. So they, we must have had seasons again. well yeah but lots of people died yeah so yeah. like who knows that's true i don't know what character she played i can't remember but yeah we I, should see that I remember, again i remember some vague things i remember ernest borgnine i think and and shelly um, winters yeah okay we digress i'm sorry let's continue <laughs> red buttons yeah so red buttons and storied career yes and and he of course uh did his rounds on uh, Fantasy Island and and Love Boat, as everybody should. Everybody did exactly like it was like in the nineties. Everybody did their rounds on Law and Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so he he sees what she can do, and he's super excited. He's like, "We can make a lot of money." And she remembers the dress, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I need some money." Yeah, so, well, I'll think about it. That she she if she's gonna live there, she's gotta have some money. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the hospital, uh. General Blankenship and Marsha are there and they're in these masks and there's no reason for them to be in a mask. Well, except... that's what happens in a hospital. Doctors wear, doctors and nurses wear white and people wear masks. Right. Well, I mean. But it's I... really what happens in surgery, not in hospital rooms, but. Yeah. Well, you know. the, I think the reason is that so Linda Carter can come in in disguise. Ah, uh, of course. Yes. Yeah. You're just exposing all of these like, you know, <laughs> 
storyline hacks that they used. Yes. You know, I mean, all that stuff was absolutely commonplace. Well, the thing is, it wouldn't be that noticeable, except Blankenship cannot stop playing with his mask. <laughs> I'm sure it was annoying. He probably couldn't breathe through it. And I know. we all know. We all know now. After the pandemic, what that is like. Yeah, it's a drag. <laughs> he didn't like it, clearly. And so, anyway, that gives uh, Wonder Woman an opportunity to get, to come in there and check on Steve. And they have another, you know, I didn't really mention it about the plane before, but but man on the plane yeah. and and now when he wakes up they just look at each other like they're so in love yeah it's sweet yeah, yeah. that's like an instant sort of hammer and Hit also her in the head Linda Carter come in in that nurse's outfit you 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 get somehow a better perspective of how incredibly statuesque she is yeah yeah just tall and like like you know, built like most humans are not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it really is just sort of, uh, um, there are not very many people in the world who are created like Linda Carter, you know? Right. And somehow being in that normal outfit mm-hmm. highlights it even more. Yeah. But yes, um, yeah. And then Steve and all his handsomeness wakes up and yeah. I, I think I mean they clearly had really good chemistry. Yeah. You know, I mean, and which is just important and really huge. Yeah. And and um in the meantime, by the way, I, I think I skipped this little scene, but we get a little scene back at the Nazi headquarters and and old um Kenneth Mars yeah. is like, well, you know, he shot down my guy, so I'm gonna have to go over and do all this myself. Yeah. So so we know that he's on the way. He's like coming to, you know, kick ass and take names. Yeah. And um and uh Henry Gibson has one more chance to use his pigeons to warn somebody. They <laughs> he he salutes his pigeons going away, and it's apparently the same shot uh that they used before except they play a little god bless america over it just so just so we're absolutely clear that henrik ibsen uh, henry gibson i always get his name confused with henrik ibsen i was gonna and, say it. <laughs> his name sounds very much like henrik ibsen yes henry um, gibson he, he, he's clearly a spy for the americans yes yes right. so after the hospital then we get we get the uh the Wonder Woman show like Red Buttons, you know, gets an aud he rents a theater, right. he gets the audience in there, and he's gonna show exactly. off. This section is oh I'm sorry, but yeah, it's like a kind of like a vaudeville show. Exactly. Or a circus sideshow, right? Where where he wants to show how she can deflect bullets. Right. Right. And then they that's and that's the whole show. <laughs> right. And the, and and then he, you know, he shoots at her with actual bullets and a gun and then invites random people in the audience to shoot at her. Uh-huh. The whole thing is weird, but it is I, I for some reason it's my least favorite part of this whole uh pilot. It's it's I don't know, it's can't it's hokey and anyway, I I don't know, the grandma with the you know, there's a this grandmother who's carrying this carpet bag with, you know, some kind of 
you know, semi-automatic machine gun in it. Yeah, like an old-style Tommy gun. And they just, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing's dumb. (laughs) It it, it is a little goofy. And what's interesting about the uh, commentary is that, number one, Linda Carter felt the same way. Like, she didn't remember this scene happening. Yeah. And, um, or at least she, she hadn't remembered it until she saw it. And then she was reminded of how wonderful Red Buttons was with the audience. Yeah. Like when they were filming it, you know, he must have been, he was just like throwing all these. Just you one know. of those people who's just sweet. Yeah. And, and I'll, but what I really remember about the commentary after, after she does her vaudeville show and deflects all the bullets and then, you know, is in the, you know, seedy little office with red buttons. Mm-hmm afterwards waiting for him to pay her her money right and very sweetly and innocently waiting for him to do that she's she's sitting down at a desk and she said in the commentary she was there with the producer she said in the commentary they they told her she had to sit down at the desk because the producer who she was there with commenting later you know all these years later the producer told her she was eating too many donuts yeah and so she had to sit down at the desk instead of stand up ridiculous i was pissed for both him for, for her and for um Lau wagner he just he talks about their attractiveness a lot it yeah. seems to be very important to him and i mean i get it like that's definitely there's no question that that's a part of tv and movies and putting you know actors and people in tv and movies but this you know they put her in this freaking bathing suit and then and she's like what 21 years old or something and then they're like you're eating too many donuts sit down for this scene yeah so we can't see the evidence of eating too many donuts oh man i just want to but you know that's i mean it does it is interesting that you know he was basically focused on how beautiful they i mean he did to his credit, you know, he talked about their chemistry and he talked about the casting process and, yes. and how he you needed how good amazing she was in terms of like being able to carry. I mean, as a, you know, as the lead of a show like that, the yeah. hours and the work and the dedication necessary yeah. to be able to carry it is just it used to be they had to put out, you know, 22, 23 24 episodes a year right and this is an hour show people used to not i mean they you know people don't do that anymore we can have a discussion sometime about how lost the show lost changed paradigm for everyone yeah but i think is as frustrated as we both were when lost was like had 12 episodes and then said okay we'll be back in four months we were like oh what (laughs) Uh, but uh, i mean for the sake of everybody who works on this stuff i say yeah the 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 shorter season more available shows more available options and shorter seasons so that you can do better quality so you don't have to have you know filler shows and clip shows and all that stuff that's exactly right yeah because that was what happened with every show that was on because mm-hmm. there were only three networks right plus PBS. Right. 
Yeah. And every show that was on had to fill a heck of a lot of prime time. There couldn't be a lot of um, variation. Mm. And, you know, so anyway, but he he did. She seemed to have affection for him. This yeah. Well, yeah. he did. And he did fight for her like they the network didn't want her. They wanted a, a big name. And and he's like, no, she's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, like everything, it's complicated. Okay, next next oh, point. Okay, well, so you were actually talking about the next scene. That's that's her sitting down behind right. the table, you know, and it's time to get paid. And he comes up behind her with a gun, like uh, I'm not going to pay you. And he yeah. and and so she just flips him, and she's like, "Yes, you are." And so she takes, takes her, her takes her share of the money and walks out. And and I believe that's when we find out that. Uh, spoiler alert, this guy, Red Buttons, the theatrical producer, is a Nazi agent. Oh, and, my gosh. I had forgotten that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the weird thing is it's not that big a deal plot wise. Like it doesn't really even matter because because after this point, all he winds up being is another henchman. Yeah, but I think to some degree it's sort of that concept of, you know, those those Nazis could be embedded anywhere kind of feel, you know. Yeah. So basically the next thing that happens is Stephen Blankenship are talking about Stephen and uh General Blankenship are talking about what all this means. So this von Blasco guy um and I guess they got this is where they get their information from from Henrik Ibsen. <laughs> from his Henry pigeon. Gibson, who sends the pigeons, right? So to warn them, right? So they've got all their info, and it's um uh von Blasco, who is uh uh, uh Kenneth Mars, um is on his way over. So Steve's, you know, he's like getting himself together because he wants to get his plane ready and fight this guy, this von Blasco guy yes. in the skies. Right, you know. right, and then we get a lovely like red baron dog dogfight right yes yes but unfortunately for steve that's not what happens because uh red buttons and a couple of other henchmen are waiting for him uh oh, that's uh, right the uh the dogfight was earlier in the episode that's right. yeah he got his dogfight he doesn't right. get a second one <laughs> because because red buttons gets him and he you know these these guys they uh get the the jump on steve and kidnap him basically yep, yep. And take him to the apartment of the secretary slash Nazi agent. Yes, Stella Stevens, uh, who, by the way, um, since our last recording, uh, Stella Stevens has passed away. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to say she? Um, she died from complications from Alzheimer's okay. uh, on February 17th, and she was 84. All right. Yeah, but she did a lot of great performances like this episode where she is the the bad guy who fights right. Wonder Woman at the end. Jumping and ahead. by the way, yeah, how unique is it that Wonder Woman versus, you know, the female supervillain? It's rare. It is. I mean, and they, certainly rare at the time. Yeah. Very rare for a woman to have something you know, something great to be able to play, to be able to sink her teeth into, you know? Yeah, and Stella Stevens really does that in this episode. Yeah, she really I, does. I've talked about it before, I think, but but what I really, really love about her character is that she is such a goofball. 
<laughs> when she's playing Marsha the secretary. Yeah. And she's so damn serious when she's uh, the Nazi. Yeah. You yeah. know, like she's yeah. like tough and serious. Yeah. And then I'm sorry, I'm totally jumping up to the fight. So I, I let's 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 get there quickly because I want to talk about it. Okay. Okay. So, well, not, I think we're, we're getting close because let's yeah. see. So Steve gets captured, uh, back at the hospital. Um, I have it, I have it written down as nurse ratchet, but I don't think it's nurse. Ratchet. But that <laughs> oh, one yeah, lady, that, like me nurse says, what are you doing here? Get out. Yeah. And Something like that to one right, woman. Right. And she, um, here's the first, oh, so she, she says he's gone. Right. And so this is the first wonder woman transformation. Like like uh, Linda Carter in her little nurse's outfit, or I think it was a nurse's yes, outfit. Yes, and the anyway. hair comes down, and yeah, so she does, does the her spin. Thing. And doesn't she say something in the commentary about how they came, like they they came to do this spinny explosion idea? Yeah, they weren't sure how to do the transformation. They knew that they wanted her to magically transform into Wonder Woman. I I don't even know if they knew that it was going to be a magical transformation. But anyway, she suggested because she could do this pirouette thing, you know, <sighs> why don't I do this? Uh -huh. and, and they're like, yeah, great. That's awesome. And then, you know, they did, they did all the layering, which they did, they did away with later, but you know, there was some layering where you could kind of see wonder woman. And right. Like it, they decided think... to cover it with that like explosion of light and the. <sighs> right. Yeah. yeah. So there was no explosion this time. It was just more of a subtle sort of. Yeah. Uh, a layer effect. But anyway, so yeah, she spins and does the first Wonder Woman spin, the first transformation. So awesome. Yay. Yes. And somehow yeah. her hair is so much more curly and there's more volume. So yeah. much more fluffy. Yes. That's part I, of the transformation. <laughs> I have to rely on you, by the way, to tell me when she's wearing a wig and when she's not. Because <laughs> you seem to think it's obvious. and Oh, I never no, I'm not obvious. sure she was wearing a wig at any of those times. I think they just like curled and, you know, used hairspray. And like, I, I think that was oh. all her hair. I think didn't it was she, just. Didn't she talk about that, too? Didn't she say that her hair was not surviving all the. Yeah, because she like they I'm sure they were, you know, teasing it and fluffing it and spraying it. And yeah. because, you know, I mean, her hair was big. So, so she maybe... was Wonder Woman. Right. So maybe in subsequent episodes, she wore a wig. Oh, because in know, this, that's in interesting. This one, I don't know. We'll yeah. have to look for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK. So, yeah, she does her transformation and she she does that thing. Remember, you've told me about this when you were a kid and you did the Wonder Woman transformation. Yes. Once, once you stop spinning. Yes. You have, you to, have check. to check. <laughs> you have to make sure that your belt and crown and bracelets are properly in place. Right. And every freaking little girl who ever did the Wonder Woman spin checked her belt and crown and bracelets to make sure they were in place because that's part of it. And then you put your hands on your hips. Aha. Uh -huh. What you do. <laughs> and now you are ready to lift awesome. cars. Yes. And yes. Deflect bullets. Right. And so that's what she does. She she checks her equipment and she runs the heck out of there because she's got she's got some, you know, she's got a planet to save. Yep. All right. So uh, back at Stella's apartment, we got the Nazis and Steve is tied up and she's trying to 
She's trying to, uh, you know, get information out of him. She's yeah. kind of got a truth serum. Here's the thing. I wrote down in big letters, what is their relationship? They're, they're having a relationship. Uh-huh. They, I, 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 I guess they're not totally explicit about that. She kind of flirts with General Blankenship, so it's hard to say, but like. She heavily um, flirts with General Blankenship because like every time we catch them, you know, like the camera always cuts to them. Right. In the, in the middle of like it almost catches them doing right. something they're not supposed to. Well, she's to trying be to play doing. him, you know. She she you know, she's playing him and Steve. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that Steve, you know, is involved in some kind of relationship with her because you know, when he's under the truth serum, which isn't it's like the quicksand. Truth serum was very common Commonly used as a device in ah, storytelling yes. in the 70s and 80s television. Yes. It, it's right up there with the Bermuda Triangle. And the, the Bermuda and the Triangle quicksand. and the quicksand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we also had truth serum. Yep. And, but Steve, you know, is resistant. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, like that shows his strength of will and all of that, right? It's virtue. Yeah, virtue. Yeah. I, well, it's not say. just virtue. It's like, you know, he's strong and he's 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 got, you know, a strength of mind and a strength of will. That's true. We don't want to undercut his his strength. That was really handled well. It, it was handled well in the storytelling. I mean, I, th- I feel like Lyle Wagoner handled it well. Yeah, he did. You know, Absolutely. I mean, which is not to say, I mean, you know, I mean, there's it's also fine if a man does need saving, like, for example, Firefly, mm-hmm. you know, spoiler alert. Uh, there's an there's a scene where where Wash and um, Mal are being tortured. Oh, yeah. you know, and and everybody knows that Wash, who is awesome and yes beloved and everybody loves him and he's amazing at what he does doesn't he's not a soldier you know he's not he doesn't have this the this the fortitude right to be tortured and to not break yeah, yeah and yeah. so zoe comes in and you know this like evil villain is like now you must choose she's like him <laughs> oh i'm sorry were you going to ask me to choose you know because she knows she yeah. knows him mal has the fortitude and that wash doesn't but she loves wash yeah most <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so like that that you might consider to be like a damsel in distress kind of situation and yet i don't think it demeans him no you yeah know? you're right you're right and so but i think that this steve trevor situation at least in this particular one later in like in the second and third season we could talk about that but yeah you know, in this particular situation, uh, he's in danger, but he is not. You don't have this worry that he's going to be broken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, it took three guys to take him down right. and they were, weren't really fighting fair either. <laughs> and uh, and now he's drugged, you know, and right. he's still he's still resisting. Right. And the All only right. thing that gets through to him is the, what he thinks is his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, so she does get the information she wants. Right. And that leads her to uh, back to the office. And that's where she encounters Wonder Woman for this fantastic fight. <laughs> I guess. Yes. This fight reminds me so much of that that movie, the the one where they put on the sunglasses and you can see. I mean, it, it's Them. like this really long. 
Yeah, not them. Uh, they live. They live. <laughs> so, right, I went where back, there's I went like back two wrestlers who fight for like 15 yeah, minutes. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I know. Put no, on the glasses. This fight Put... <laughs> between Wonder Woman and this Nazi ringleader lady. Uh-huh. You think is, it goes on too long? It goes on a really long time, and there's a lot of like breaking glass over people's heads, and okay, but like swinging I, from chandeliers. And... Can I submit to you? People have been waiting for this fight for decades. Like I, I can agree was, with that. When did you get to see two women fighting, like really fighting? You know, like trying to bust each other's okay. bones. So, right? quote unquote, people. Have been waiting for decades for this fight. The quote unquote people, they might be, they might have uh, the Y chromosome, right? Is that right? I, Which one of us has, is women have XX and men have XY, right? So, okay. I'm sorry. So this is not, this is not a cool fight to women? No, no. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm not a representative of all women. I mean, at the time, certainly it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing, and you know nobody rips off anybody else's clothes exactly. That's true. But, but there's a little that you know, of course, like with any quote unquote cat fight, there's a little bit of the quality of that to it, right? Right. But but you but you think it goes on a little too. I long. mean, just for me, like you know, I'm just it's. I think it's a kind of goofy and campy, yeah. you know. And this Crawford guy was talking about how awesome this fight is, and oh, Kramer, I just Kramer, yeah. Kramer, he, j- I just feel like, you know, ah, yeah. Well, I will, a- I will say at the risk of sounding very male, uh, it was awesome. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with sounding very male. I'm just saying that, like, it doesn't you, ring my bell. Let me just tell you, I let me disclose to the listeners, if I may, that you you don't generally like extended action sequences because you you know that there's a foregone conclusion. Yes. And so why bother with all the violence that we have to sit through? Because we know where it's going. Well, that is true that I tend and I have a tendency with fight scenes. Now, I will I will happily agree that a fight scene that has actual stakes where you don't know what's going to happen, you know, really well done fight scenes. Uh-huh. Um, I will I can I can be engaged by that. But but it but- is true that. But Stella yeah. Stevens never had a chance. No, against and, Wonder Woman. But but I, again, like <laughs> I I will say, as a young girl watching this, mm-hmm. I was so much more empowered by her. Um, lifting the car, mm-hmm. or you know, defeating Red Buttons, or picking up Steve and carrying him to safety, or you know, any number of things than I was inspired by her and Stella Stevens having a fight. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I will say that my, uh, my understanding from Linda Carter's uh, commentary was that she was really excited about it. It seems like, uh, she thought it was she thought it was cool. She thought it was a great opportunity, both yeah. for her and for the stunt people. Yeah. You know, because. Yeah. I, and, 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 and I think to some degree she was very young. Yeah. And 
maybe I feel like there is a little bit of exploitation of both of them mm-hmm. in that fight. I'm sorry to be a downer, but I'm just <laughs> saying that like uh it was a little bit it of was a, a cat, cat fight. fight. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, a cat fight. Well, I would say that, except like you said, there was glass breaking. I mean, there was like real mayhem going on. Well, there's real mayhem in a cat fight. <laughs> You know, and 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 we we're all we're all just hoping that Linda Carter is going to stay inside her little bathing suit. Yeah. During this fight. I mean, this fight in every fight. Right. But you can cut this part if you want. <laughs> if I'm sounding too negative, but You're because sound- I know like this fight is supposed to be the big climax, you no, know, it's supposed to be the big deal. But yeah, but you're not sounding negative. I mean, this is a, a line that they had to walk and this is the line that the whole show had to walk, you know, like, is she a beautiful woman on display or is she representing empowerment? Or is, is it a little bit of both? You know, are they trying to appeal to both audiences? And, you know, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on and a lot of, I think a lot of um, accidental stuff. That's very fortunate. Like, I don't think, right in spite of the fact that this guy, you know, Douglas Kramer really liked Linda Carter. I don't think he understood how amazing she was. Yeah. Aside from her beauty. Like right. all the I'm, things. Yeah. That... It's not, I'm not sure that he understood that he was creating this sort of, this show would be this sort of like a feminist trailblazer. Yeah. And the, ma- and the, ma- and the, the magic of it is that it, it fits into this sort of exploitation model in enough that, you know, people watch it and say, Oh my gosh, it's a, it's a beautiful woman. Let's just watch, you know? And, and then you get, you get this sort of subversive progressive message. I agree, but I don't know that I think that that fight conveys that message, but uh, you know, again, (laughs) I am one person with one opinion. Right. Right. And I you know, I can definitely see that, but it's, but it's a small part of a larger episode. Right. And also, you know, I mean, just fight scenes in general. I mean, that fight scene is just clunky compared to what you see now. That's true. That's true. The speed of it is like, is like a TV. Yeah. I mean, they're like a couple of people in a boxing ring with their little fists up, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, but I don't know. I mean, swinging on a chandelier and stuff. It's just dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you know, the fight choreographers got to come up with some interesting stuff. I totally get it. And it, and and fight choreography has progressed massively since mm-hmm. those days. Yeah. You know. So so we I think we agree to disagree about this fight, but this is not even the climax of the episode. Right. <laughs> and she still gets to fight a guy like she still has to. You know, so she she defeats Stella Stevens. She gets her wrapped right. up in her lasso so she can get information. I know from what her. the plan is. And then she's like, you can't reach both destinations at the same time. Right. Yeah. And by the way, this is where she says the line. Uh, Any right. civilization that does not recognize the female is doomed to destruction. Women are the wave of the future and sisterhood is stronger than anything. Right. I, I almost didn't get that out because I got a little weepy. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah, and that's you know? like... And so, that is the message. So in, in oh. spite of the fight, in spite of the cat fight and the exploitation, that is where we get with this scene, you know? 
Which she's she, trying to, yeah, teach this woman that, you know, yeah, let's don't undermine each other. But this has larger a larger context exactly. in terms of you know the anyway. Woo, we can't go into like a whole thing about Nazis. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's um. So so yeah. so Wonder Woman's got to go, and uh, you know, figure out what to do and she you know of course she has a solution right away and that is she calls the uh she calls stella stevens apartment and tells the nazis in stella stevens voice uh mm-hmm. don't execute steve right yeah because this solved. is the first time we see that she can like mimic other people's voices which yeah. isn't you know one of her weird superpowers right that, you know, we see occasionally, I guess. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, I didn't explain the, the context. So so the choice, the Sophie's choice that she has is Steve is going to be executed at midnight. And also at exactly midnight, this Norton right. bombsite is going to be bombed. Right. So she manages uh, to stop one so she can go stop the other. Exactly. And so yeah. she takes her plane and she hunts down Von Blasco <laughs> um, and uh, Kenneth Kenneth Mars. And she she just latches onto his plane with her plane, and they don't really show it because I don't think they could figure out how. But you know, it's like if if we were in Star Trek, you know, they somehow you know found a, an airlock him. and yeah. boarded onto the you know she yeah. boards onto his plane. Suddenly she's there, and she you know beats the crap out of him. She punches him out. And takes him on her plane. Lets the plane. I mean, she does kill all of the Nazis in the in the on the U boat. On the U boat. So I mean, but but, but the yeah. one that everybody knows and thinks is funny. Right. She takes she him kill. to the cops, and again, she's not going to fill out any forms. She's like, right. "Here's your Nazi. Take care of him." Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, then she goes to Marcy's apartment, defeats Marcia? the Nazis. Oh, did I say Marcy? Marsha's Marsha's apartment, <laughs> and and defeats Red Buttons. You know, uh, I should say, Red Buttons knew the writing on the wall. Like I know, right? Like defeats Red Buttons is like not a hard thing to do. I know they start shooting at her, and he's like, "It's not going to work, you guys." And then he like <laughs> he just goes along with it. He starts shooting at her. He's like, "Yeah, this is not work." Yeah, she easily mops up the floor with these Nazis at at Marsha's apartment. And gets Steve, and everything's great. You know, yeah. she she has saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the final scene mm-hmm. where, you know, they're sort of setting up for the rest of the series, where she she becomes his new secretary. She becomes Diana Prince. And he says he says at the beginning because Marsha was such a disaster. He's like, no more pretty girls. I know. He's like, get me somebody dowdy. <laughs> and then freaking Linda Carter walks in. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, they yeah. had the decency to make her glasses have like they they had a um a shading on them like sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. like try and hide those baby blues. Yeah. Right. So yeah. at the very least, and they, they covered, you know, two thirds, you know, one third of her face, right? They're yeah. huge. They're giant. And they were dark. Yeah. And, you know, she had her hair up in a bun and she was wearing a uniform. But there is no man <laughs> uh, of the men who notice women, and even of the men who don't notice women. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's any man alive 
who would not notice that this is a beautiful woman yes. regardless of, and, and this is the, this is why the line in the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman where this, where um, Steve Trevor's secretary says, ah, oh, yeah, specs. And suddenly she's not the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like that's the reason that line's so funny because it's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, how do you not see, you idiot, that this is a gorgeous <laughs> woman? <laughs> but anyway, it works. It works. It, 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 I think, it, I mean, I think the shading of the glasses actually was a, a the important step. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it, weird? It helps, but I feel like it really made a difference. It, it helps the illusion of it a little yes, bit. Slightly. Yes. I, I will say if I may have a side tangent while mm -hmm. you know while our, our clock is running down. It's okay. Uh, I was reading a Superman comic book as a child, and they addressed this for Superman. Oh, you, cool. Because uh Apparently, what he did was he he wanted to be able to, you know, shoot his lasers, his heat vision through his yeah. glasses. And uh. so he used some of the wreckage of the um, the the Kryptonian rocket that sent yeah, him there. Yeah, yeah. And so he cut some of that glass into glasses and and that way he could shoot his heat ray vision through it. But the side effect that he wasn't aware of was that because it was kryptonian glass it would it would project his desire to look different to people and so well that's that is a stretch but at least they attempted they to tried, explain it yeah and thank goodness for that because again it's like how do you think this is a little nebbishy guy right when he's like clearly christopher reeve christopher yeah. reeve Right. <laughs> exactly. So, or, so or clearly uh um Henry Cavill. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So so maybe yeah. Let's pause a moment. And think have about have Henry a moment Cavill. for Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> so um so maybe these are Amazonian glasses that hey, that I like it. Yeah, project her desire. For you know, for people to they think never that explained she's... that, but I will I I will go with that, and I will say I think that's a really like at least it gives an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the five minutes that we have left, according to Zoom, yes, uh, so that's the episode. Yeah. Uh, normally at this juncture, I will ask you about your cosplay, but we've already talked about it. We well, talked about your okay. Talked your, about when I when I was a kid and I dressed up as Wonder Woman. Yeah, but the, the about real, those awful the, the plastic masks. costumes. But the real question is, what is it? And not that we haven't covered it already, but but what is it specifically about Linda Carter's Wonder Woman that inspires you? Well, it's a big, it's a big question. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I love the magic of it all. You know, I love the I love the Greek mythology. I love the the idea that she's an Amazon. I I I love that she is strong. I think that you know, women in general. I'm not going to say every woman, but women in general feel they need to protect themselves. 
um, in all kinds of ways from all kinds of dangers. And this idea that one could be strong like that, powerful like that, and be capable of protecting yourself is very appealing. Um, I think like we have talked about, Linda Carter is, uh, she, she was an incredible, like she was destined. She was destined to be Wonder Woman. Not only does she look the part, but she does have, she's got that combination of, of strength and sweetness about her. She's, she's got an innocence and, and yet a power. And, um, clearly it resonated i think you know the show lasted three seasons and there are reasons why it didn't why it didn't go longer you know but um it has endured you know it really has like star trek star trek lasted three seasons and it has also endured you know and so i feel like she was the formula she was the reason. And then there was something about her and there's something about the character, no matter what context they put her into. And uh, she really inspired a lot of people. That's it. Is there anything else you want to say? Because I think that's a great ending and I'll probably cut it off right after you say that last thing and then go into my pre-recorded whatever. But is there anything else you want to say? Uh, I think it says we have two, two minutes. minutes. Um, but that was fantastic, by the way. Yeah, I just don't. I I I, I want to get cred for my, you know, Halloween costume <laughs> when I was yes. eight. Absolutely, we we have that conversation <laughs> already on tape, as they say. And how I wished that I could have had um, like if I wished that I knew like that I had had cosplay or like the cool costumes that kids can get now. The costumes were horrendous. They were dumb. Yeah, they were dumb. Otherwise, I might have cosplayed it more. I saw this little girl. I saw this little girl in the parking lot at Costco who had gotten a Wonder Woman costume at Costco. And clearly they put it on before she even got in the car out in the parking lot. And she looked adorable. So cute. And the costume was cute. Like, I'm like, I want that costume, you know? And she was just so cute. And I just watched her mom taking some pictures of her. I think I said something like, you know, what a great costume or what a great, you know, I don't remember. What a great outfit, something like that. And it was, I mean, for heaven's sakes, this has been 50 years ago. I mean, more than that. Wonder Woman was invented in the 40s. Yeah. And there's still little girls in parking lots at Costco dressing up. There it is. The first episode of Wonder Woman Wednesdays in the can. I truly hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank my excellent and very patient guest and wife, Laura, who also does my graphic design. And a big thanks to Rhiannon Owens, who provided the logo art. 
And I'd also like to thank author Mike Pingle, who wrote Channel Surfing Wonder Woman, which I definitely recommend. I'd also like to thank, in no small way, Linda Carter, not only for all she's given us, but for this episode specifically, for her great commentary on the pilot. If you're a fan, and for some reason don't have it, I strongly encourage you to get the Wonder Woman series Blu-ray set with her commentary on the pilot episode. Now, I'd also like to thank the podcasters who have inspired me with their excellent classic TV podcasts, like Eventually Super Train with Dan Budnick, Bookum Dano with Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Writes, Made for TV Mayhem with Amanda Reyes, and the podcast from which I've probably stolen most of my format ideas, Mashcast, with the phenomenal Rob Kelly. And if you like a little extra mash like I do, you can also check out Mash Matters with Ryan Patrick and Igor himself, Jeff Maxwell. Links to all of those podcasts are listed at the bottom of my economically cheap website, wonderwomanwednesdays.com. Last and most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate your time, your energy, and your kindness. If you are a Wonder Woman cosplayer who'd like to join me on the show, I'd love to hear from you at wonderwomanwednesdays at yahoo.com. Next month, we'll be joined by cosplayer Katie Maravilla, and we'll be looking at episode two, Wonder Woman meets Baroness Von Gunther. I hope you'll join us. Until then, be kind whenever possible. It is always possible. <laughs>